and here we go. Welcome everyone to episode 224 of the FM Marks Podcast. I'm Jay. And I am the brainless one. Yeah! Uh, we're back together after a couple of weeks of uh, streaming from our parts unknown. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I was at the Ultimate Warrior's house, and were you at the Missing Link's house? I might have been. I was. I was right down the street from Kane's, at least. Oh, great! So it, it, it was. It was kind of. It was kind of lit. Get it? Eh, 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 eh. I see what you uh, did there. I told Nicole I was going to stop punching the wall, and I, and what I do less than a minute into the thing, I punch you, the wall. You love punching the wall. I do love punching the wall. Punching the wall is your favorite thing to do, isn't it? It's up there now, yes. Um, so we got quite a bit to get into today for uh, the episode. Uh, we had a double or nothing pay-per-view for AEW. Yeah. Not too terribly bad. I There was one outcome I was very... There was one outcome I was like, all right, well, obviously our Stone Cold Lead Pipe locks for last week both hit. Yeah. Shocker, because we both guessed Britt Baker. Um there was one outcome last weekend that I was very, very happy about. And then there was one outcome last week that I derp a derp a derp a derp a derp a derped. Derped. But we're going to get into the uh, the double or nothing from last week. Um, WWE, somehow, some way, for some weird freaking reason, they had more releases this week. And it, and it just came in, like, really quick. Like, there was rumors being spread early uh, Wednesday morning, and then like an hour later, like they announced all these releases, and they said there were going to be some pretty big names. And you know, there was a couple of at least really big names on that list of people who were released. I mean, honestly, the biggest one, like shocking wise, was Braun Strowman. Who would have thought? I never would have thought that. Although when when I call it, call me crazy, you can call me a lot of things. You can call me a liar. You can call me whatever. When I saw that there was a list of big names, I don't know what it was. And I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if Braun Strowman was on that list. Honestly, and I was still surprised he was on the list. I mean, I thought Bray Wyatt was going to be one of the names on the list. And I thought it was going to be based off of what happened around WrestleMania season. Yep. And, and just that, you know what, uh, Bray needs to stay home and heal. And WWE's given him latitude to do that. But, like, man. Man, oh man. He, uh... He has not been cut yet, but, you know, you sit there and, like, Braun Strowman was just in the main event picture for Monday Night Raw. He wasn't even more than two months removed from fighting a McMahon at WrestleMania. So, like, th there are a lot of things that are just strange about that whole thing. I, I, I just yeah, that's, don't get it. I think strange is the best word to describe it, too. What's up, Monsef? Um... But we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, we also have two new members of the All Elite Wrestling team, which is just like wow. Is there anybody? Is there any going to be? Ugh, is there going to be anybody left in the free agency that's not going to go to AEW? I mean, that's that's what it comes down to, and it's sad now that that's what the thing is: is that people are going to be like, oh well, every time somebody gets released from WWE, oh, I guess they're going to AEW now, and ah. Uh, uh, at this point, like, you, you know, you sit there and, and know that, like, Tony Khan knows what happened with Impact Wrestling. And specifically at the beginning of All Elite Wrestling mm -hmm. said, this is not what we're going to do. But when you have people that talented, you're like, yeah, 
Yeah? You get somebody like Braun Strowman out there on the market. Mm -hmm. Are you going to just let them sit there? The guy is the most well-rounded of the big men in the business right now. I can't argue that one. I think you, you've hit that assessment with the nail right in the head. I, I, I think so. Because um, I think that Wardlow has a chance to be that guy, but he needs time to, to kind of like fine-tune himself to be a little bit better of a star. He's got a chance. Luchasaurus is a tremendous Tremendous idea, tremendous character. I still think he needs a little bit of work. Braun Strowman is that guy right now that you can go get. And we and that was one of the things that you and I have been talking about basically the entire time that we've been doing this podcast for five years. Because we talked about how Braun Strowman broke away from the Wyatt family at the same time Nia Jax got called up from NXT. And five years later, Braun Strowman is actually really serviceable and has had some really good matches with people in WWE, where Nia, Nia Jax is still drizzle shits that got caught on fire by the dumpster fire that it collided with. And she's still employed. And she's still employed. Shocker. And is uh, part of a storyline. Yeah. Right now, it looks like Shayna and but, Nia are going to be breaking up. But, but that's, the, that's the thing, Jay. If one of these wrestlers is in the middle of a storyline, they're not going to just up and drop them. That would just be silly or stupid. Or another word that I really don't want to say, but I might have to say it because I say it about Vince McMahon all the time. But why would you ever get rid of somebody in the middle of a really good storyline or in the potentials of a hot storyline? Why would WWE would never do something like that? All the time. But anyway, uh, two new members of AEW. One debuted last week, a double or nothing. The other one debuted last night, which I didn't even know. That there was a double or, no, or a dynamite last night on Friday nights. At I think during the uh, entire NBA playoffs, dynamite is going to be on Friday night. Okay. The Friday night delight. Uh, and I think they just don't want to compete with SmackDown at this moment. Okay. So I wouldn't compete. I'm going to tell you right now. I watched SmackDown last night. I, I love watching SmackDown every week. I watch SmackDown every week. Roman Reigns, each and every week, he delivers in a way that I've never seen anybody deliver on. He is on a whole different level. He's in a he's in a whole field by himself. He's the only person it. who delivers, who used to deliver better than him was SD Jones. Right, right, right. Special delivery, right. Roman uh, Reigns is at the top of his game right now. And even a coke-addled Hulk Hogan, I don't think character-wise, competes with him. The only one that would probably come close is Ric Flair. That's it. But that's 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 a goat. That is a goat of goats. So, um, but Roman is like last night. He he absolutely killed it last night. Paul Heyman is just he is a god amongst managers and personalities in professional wrestling. That addition to Roman Reigns's empire so to speak, has been yeah. a great addition, and I, I love, and you know you know how I feel about, like, if you concentrate your entire show on, like, one or two entities for the entire show, I have a problem with it because then you're not really utilizing right. your other talents, but is there really anybody else on the show that deserves to have the the, the camera time that the, the Usos and, and Roman Reigns are, are getting right now? Uh-huh. You know that they have these little things going on right now with like Seth and Cesaro. Mm -hmm. They have the thing going on uh, with um, 
Why is my brain blanking? Apollo Under, Cruz. Uh, uh, Nakamura and, and Baron Corbin. Corbin. And you got Cruz and Kevin Owens uh, with I, Sami Zayn involved yeah. in that. So, I, I mean, they're good storylines, but mm-hmm. none of them in any way feels as important as anything with Roman Reigns. Jay, I'm going to tell you right now. What is this? Today is, what, June 5th of 2021? I'm going to tell you right now. It's At the end of this year, when we do our 5th or 6th annual... I think it's our 5th annual or 6th annual. Whatever It'll it be the 6th annual. Our 6th annual award show at the end of the year. Roman, Wayne, uh, Roman Reigns is winning Wrestler of the Year. It's, he, he's it's, winning at least two awards. Uh, yeah, well... He's a lot to win that first one, although his hair isn't as as wet as it used to be. So somebody might actually come in there and like and grease uh, that title away from him. But but anyway, Roman right now, I I was thinking of it last night. Like Roman's gonna win Wrestler of the Year. It's and it's not even gonna be close. It's gonna be a fucking landslide. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like Secretariat in the seventy two Belmont Stakes, if I'm not mistaken, seventy two or seventy three. Right. Um. But yeah, that's I, I I can understand that because it doesn't matter how many titles Kenny Omega has, he is not performing like Roman Reigns is. But uh, speaking of champions, Karrion uh, Cross has his next challenge. Um, they were supposed to have a three man or a triple threat match to determine the number one contender for his title at the next uh, at, at, uh, at NXT takeover take in your house. house. Yep, um, and then chicanery happened and. No. Chicanery in the name of Adam Cole, baby. It feels good to say that again. Yeah, um, just uh, very, very good promo from him and from Karrion Cross on Wednesday, uh, or I'm sorry, from Tuesday. I'm excited for that match that they're going to be doing. They're doing a great Fatal Five thing. Way. Fatal Five Way with five really, really talented dudes in the ring. Um, I, we'll, I love how Cross was like on. I can beat all of you up. Yeah, let's like, do it. He's like, give me Kyle O'Reilly, give me Pete Dunne, give me Johnny Gargano, and give me, this was my favorite part about it, the gas station weasel, Adam Cole. I <laughs> lost it when he hit him with that line. Absolutely lost it. Uh-huh. That was good. It was such good shit, pal. Um, and then uh, the last topic really is, uh, will WWE be finally sold? We're thinking that maybe the, the there's some correlation between the releases that have happened over the last couple months and WWE potentially being sold because there's been discussions of WWE finally being sold. And we could finally get rid of that geriatric dinosaur fucker Vince McMahon as the man who runs the show. Not so fast. You do realize... Did you just Lee Corso me? Yes, I did. Wow. Okay. A lot of times when deals are made where a company is sold, what ends up happening is the current management in place stays in place. They don't replace everybody. Because Vince McMahon has successfully, as far as money goes, run WWE for the last almost 40 years, he most likely would still be in control. He would just no longer be the owner. I think the dude, honestly, I think whatever deal would be put in place, Vince loves to work. If he didn't have WWE, what would he do? He doesn't have the uh, XFL anymore. What would he do? Who cares? I don't. I really don't care. 
Uh, he is going. Unfortunately for all of us wrestling fans, I think he's going to stay in power. Even Mike, even Mike agrees that the, the company needs to be sold. I feel bad for whoever's going to buy the company, because they're going to have this old, dusty, crusty dinosaur fucker Vince McMahon running around here trying to put freaking shows together, and that's the problem. That is the problem. But we'll get into that. But Mike, uh, you, you know, when you're saying it's a sinking ship, what 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 ship are you talking about? Because they were the most profitable they ever were last year. This deal with Peacock is now bringing in even more money than that they had before by just having you know the WWE network. The ship isn't sinking as far as finances. You might think that they're creatively sinking. You may think that there's all sorts of issues with what they're doing, but as far as financially, they have never been on better footing. Quite honestly, they have never been on better footing. Well, they got that monster contract that they just signed with Fox not even two years ago. They just Same got that. USA they, just, they just got that new contract from the USA Network, especially for NXT, which is why NXT moved to Tuesdays because they worked out a new deal with USA. They just got a fuck ton of money from uh, Peacock from, yeah, NBC from NBC for Peacock, for Peacock. Um, which got them to ditch the freaking the network. But there was a lot of speculation that the reason that they moved from the WWE Network to Peacock was to help facilitate a sale of WWE to NBC, which is fine as long as NBC goes in there and tells Vince McMahon to go to the retirement home. My favorite tinfoil hat theory that I have come up with for the sale of WWE. Donald Trump. Oh, my God. Tony Khan. Tony Khan's not going to buy WWE. I, I, hey, I'm just saying here, tinfoil hat theory. He's signing all these old WWE guys to AEW. Why doesn't he just buy AEW? There's all sorts of yeah. revenue streams already there. If he wanted to have like a World Series of Wrestling tournament, and, and you get derp, 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 going against like... Roman Reigns going against like Okada, going against Moose, going against anybody and everybody out there, going against Nick Aldis. I was about to say Nick Aldis. You know, you can make that happen uh, if you decide to buy WWE. Uh, Mike, I'm actually going to agree with, uh, disagree with you slightly. Um, the only sh- I, I like watching NXT, but SmackDown is actually a very watchable show. Raw, I can't watch Raw. It's drizzle shits. I well, I try watching every single week. Believe me, I actually do tune into Raw every single week. I'm just like, you know, I think it's time for bed, and usually it's like 8.04 when I go to bed. <laughs> but, you know, hey, I try. I, I try. And, and and don't get me wrong. Monday Night Raw, the best thing on Monday Night Raw right now is is, is Bobby Lashley and MVP. They're absolutely killing it. And that has been the – and that's, that's one thing I will say. Even before I started doing this podcast, for the last probably like 5, 10 years, maybe even 15 years – Monday Night Raw has had one really good thing about it. Then it's got a bunch of, like, garbage. And then it's got one really, really shitty thing that's on it. But, like, with Raw, now it's freaking MVP and Bobby Lashley. They're killing it right now. And the fact is they're, they're beating the, the dead horse with Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre again for the WWE Championship. I'm really not for that. I, 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 I just can't. you, you got to stop giving Drew these opportunities. I think what's going to end up happening with this, this is just a placeholder until Brock Lesnar comes back. Honestly, I think the releases are twofold in meaning. I think part of it is them 
trying to sell the company, but the other part is they're trying to cut costs so they can bring Brock back and bring John Cena back. But Jay, why would they be trying to cut costs when they you just said that they're they've made more money this year than they've ever made in their entire existence? So what they try to do with things like this is they try to show to companies that are looking to buy them mm-hmm. like the ledger yeah. of like what their expenses are and what their uh, revenues are. So you get rid of some salaries here. This is why you 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 yeah. dump people. I think they, they dumped the wrong people. You know, but the thing that's frustrating as a wrestling fan about this, nothing against Bo Dallas. The dude was getting paid for 18 months and didn't have to show up for work. 18 months. Yep. I, I mean, if they cut him a year and a half ago... You know, it's something different now. But you have a lot of things that have happened like this. And then these releases are people who have been contributing. I mean, you just started posting vignettes of Aleister Black. You just started what was supposed to be a feud with Big E. Supposedly, his wife, Zelina Vega, was at the Performance Center training to make her comeback to WWE. What's going on with all that now? I say we get into that. I say we start talking about the releases because, yes, as Jay said, along with Braun Strowman and uh, it's now Aleister Black was released as well as Buddy Murphy, uh, Ruby Riot, Santana Garrett, and Lana were the six that got released on Wednesday. And allegedly, there are a bunch of people, like, um, I don't know if they're planning to cut all of NXT UK, but I heard that they want to clean house as far as NXT UK goes. And and maybe they do clean most of that house. I tell you right now, if they get rid of NXT UK, that would be the dumbest thing Vince does, because he will get rid of one of his biggest stars. Well, that's not saying getting rid of Walter. Walter could get... Folded into well, everything. Well, the thing, the problem with Walter is that part of the reason that he signed with NXT UK was because Walter is con- is hell bent and content on working in the United Kingdom, um, and in Europe doing the wrestling there, and does not want to come to the United States. So yeah. that's the biggest. That's gonna be the biggest hurdle they're gonna have. And if they if they get rid of NXT UK, they could basically kiss Walter goodbye. Cause and they'll, they'll never and that's and that'll be Vince's biggest fuck up. Well, no, Vince has had so many fucking L's in his life that it doesn't really matter. But um, but he sits there and laughs to the bank. Yeah, I know he does. Um, and as far as Keith Lee goes, Mike, uh, I definitely see that... I don't think he has a, a long time left in WWE. Supposedly when he got injured or, or he got COVID. taken off TV in March, uh, wasn't cleared medically, and I think even as recently as May, they said he still wasn't cleared medically. Uh, and he keeps on putting out cryptic tweets and, and who the heck knows what's going on. But they invested a whole bunch of time into Keith Lee. They did, you know, one of the the network documentaries on him. They had big ideas for him and big thoughts for him. And they suddenly just stopped. 
similar to Braun Strowman. So Braun Strowman, after he won the championship last year, they did a documentary on him. Mm-hmm. And Braun was having a, a really difficult time a couple years ago and was just fed up, apparently bum-rushed into a production meeting to talk to Vince. Vince emptied the room, had a talk with Braun, uh, and Braun was like, you know, I was near the top of the card before, now I'm having a hard time even getting on TV, and Braun signed a five-year deal in uh, 2019. Yep. So he has a few years left on this deal, $1 million a year. Vince McMahon told Braun Strowman, you're one of the people that I'm building my show on. Vince McMahon tells you that. And here we are a year later, Well, and you're not there. I think the problem that they had with Braun Strowman is when they finally put the title on him last year at WrestleMania when he beat Goldberg to win the title, he was very lackluster as Universal Champion. He had a very forgettable reign as W or as Universal Champion, and you know the Fiend came in there. I mean, him and the Fiend had a great rivalry. Don't get me wrong; it was it was, but it wasn't a planned championship run. No, it was not a planned run. championship run because initially it was supposed to be Roman Reigns' title that he was supposed to win, and then Roman was like, "I don't want to get my girl sick during COVID, so I'm going to take some time off for a few months and then let this clear out and everything." Plus, he's got to worry about his own health too. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you have to look out for yourself. I'm sorry. If that makes me sound selfish, so be it. But at the end of the day, you have to look out for yourself. And if you don't look out for yourself, you're going to be in big trouble. Um, but, like, honestly, like, after he lost the title to to The Fiend last year, he kind of just got lost in the shuffle. Ends up on Monday Night Raw doing the, uh, the Raw Underground. And then he really just didn't have much of a freaking storyline. Like, they didn't really give him anything after he moved to Monday Night Raw. Until Shane. Until Shane. And I'm still convinced that the reason that they did that storyline with Shane and Braun Strowman was because it was supposed to go to Lars Sullivan. But Lars Sullivan, with his anxiety and all the issues he's had, got got released himself. So, because, like, come on. You can't be telling me that this guy who's getting... I was getting bullied. He used to call me a freak. <laughs> and then and then like a month or two later you got Braun Strowman, stop calling me stupid, Shane. And I'm like, yo, come on, this is not this is not, no. So Braun Strowman was just one of those guys that in the last seven, eight months got lost in the shuffle, which is a shame because I actually like Braun Strowman. He's still one of my favorite squash wrestlers that they've ever had. Yeah, I just I, I thought he was I thought he was better than what he was. He deserved better than what he got. I just, he was one of my favorite followers on Instagram. I'm really sad to see Braun Strowman leave. If I were him, I'd go to Japan. He could make a fuck ton of money over there. Not to, not to say he wouldn't make money over at AEW, because obviously Tony Khan has has very deep pockets and very, very willing to hand out that money to whoever. But I think he'd be better off going to Japan. I actually agree with you. I think if he went to Japan, it would be... So he could get ingratiated in the Japan Strong style, and I think it would get him more credibility among, mm-hmm. you know, fans who are the yeah, the effing marks like us. Yeah, they they love guys like him over in Japan. But the thing is, is like I think there's some respect for Braun Strowman out there. I it would get to the next level mm-hmm. if he went to Japan and honed his craft more and became 
you know, more of a sports style wrestler as opposed to being kind of a gimmick. Well, I mean, think about it. It worked out for Matt Bloom. It did. Matt, Matt Bloom was a, was a pretty big deal over in WWE. He had a great character and all that stuff. He went over to Japan, became an even bigger star, and then they brought him back. Granted, kind of Lord Tensai. That was terrible. I'm sorry. That was freaking terrible. Uh, that did that. not win the worst gimmick. But speaking of which, Brainless One is going to be starting pretty soon. A, a new. Uh, tournament thing on Instagram. Yeah. New tournament. Yes, that's right. Um, so I've, I've done a few tournaments. I did the WrestleMania Moments tournament around WrestleMania time. Uh, I did the the worst gimmick in uh, WWE, which ended up going to Santina Morella. Not really a big surprise because I kind of put the tournament out and I kind of went to somebody and said, "Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if Santina wins this shit." I'm like, I'll be honest. I'm just glad it wasn't Duke Drosy. And then uh, about a week, week and a half ago, I did another one of greatest managers in WWE history. And I'll tell you, Jay, I only did about 16 managers. That was a very, very, that was like, that was murderer's row. Whoever was going to win that thing was was going to earn that victory. Because you have to think about it. You had Paul Heyman in that. You had Paul... Uh, Paul Ellering in that. Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer was in it. Bobby Heenan. James E. Cornette. Sensational Sherry. I mean, those are goats. Right. Every single one of them has has been, is a who's who's a manager. The Grand Wizard. Freaking right. Freddie Blassie. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And at the end of the day, with all those managers, Paul Bearer, surprisingly, as happy as I was that Paul Bearer won it, because I fucking love Paul Bearer, and he's the only manager I've ever met. But Paul Bearer survived all the other managers. Oddly enough, he survived. Oddly enough, he survived. The mortician. Uh, beating, beating Paul Heyman in the finals, too. Paul Heyman beat Freddie Blassie to get there. I was like, wow. Yeah. But it, it, was, it, was, it's, this is, it was a lot of fun, and I want to keep doing this. So I think like every Saturday I'm going to mention to everybody what I'm going to be doing for the tournament. So and what is night, the next one? Um, the next one will be Famous Factions. In professional wrestling. Not just WWE. And I will say this, Jay, about this tournament that really brings a lot of joy to this heart right here. I have WWE. I have WCW. I have an ECW faction. I have Japan's biggest faction. I have AEW factions. I have TNA factions. This is a very broad spectrum of professional wrestling in this tournament. And I'm really happy about this. That this uh, noggin that has about 17 brain cells that are about 16 and a half of them are dead. <coughs> came up with this, this list and I'm, 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 I'm thrilled about it. So and make I, sure you follow us on Instagram at get the F-N-M-A-R-K-S. So you could join in and vote. For your favorite faction, and I and I think I have it synced up so that when I do it, it will actually show up on our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, everybody who's tuning in uh, later this evening, I will be posting that tournament. Uh, it'll be thirty-two factions, and uh, I found a way to keep Kenny Omega out of it. And make sure you like and share that stuff out. Yes. We we would really appreciate that. Yes. And I, I like I said, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. Um, also, if there's any other ideas that you came up that you would like, you know, that you can think of that you want for like tournaments that are wrestling related, um, I, I, I'm still putting together. It's a lot harder than I thought. 
It's amazing how WWE has an easier time of coming up with 64 really shitty gimmicks as opposed to WCW. Because what ends up happening is that I always come up with, I come up with like my handful from Clash of the Champions 13, which is the easiest way to fill up any bracket. All the Kevin Nash characters. All the Kevin Nash characters. Uh, the, the Diamond Stud. Um, I always, you know what? I like the Diamond Stud. Diamond Stud was actually what got Scott Hall his foot in the door for yeah. WWF because they're like going, oh, he's not just Big Scott Hall from AWA here. Yeah. He actually has come up with a thing. Kind of, kind of a character. Yeah. And it, it was kind of interesting that the Diamond Stud uh, kind of coincides a little bit with like the character he developed with Razor Ramon, which is right. what really put him over the edge. Absolutely. And that, that was one hell of a character, but like... You know, the Black Scorpion. Like every time I see the Black Scorpion, oh, I so laugh. Oh, so good. So you know, good. The, the freaking Shockmaster. Uh, what's up, Timmy? Uh, Glacier. And as much as because I know I, I put up a big stink, like I didn't want certain people to be in these tournaments because I don't think they're shit gimmicks. I had to put the Disco Inferno on my list. You did? If I could find a sixty-fifth uh. person, this Disco Inferno's off. But I, I, shitty gimmicks. He is a shitty gimmick. Another one that you and I discussed was entrance songs in WWE. That one's definitely going to happen. Yeah. I got that one coming up. Um, anything that's wrestling related you want us to come up with for a tournament? Oh, that's a great one, Tim. The Yeti! He's on my list. The Yeti. Yeah, when he and the Big Show dry on Hulk Hogan, that was... Uh, th th that was Halloween Havoc gold. And it's funny because like, when, <laughs> when I was doing the one... When I was doing the one with... Um, Shivani did his best to sell that. <laughs> <When I... laughs> He's an intelligent man. <laughs> oh, you're gonna be all right there, Jay. Oh. <laughs> That happened, what, like, almost 30 years ago. And <laughs> there are certain things that will never stop being funny. Jay, are you kidding me? <laughs> to this day, nothing, nothing. <sighs> Marty Jannetty getting super kicked and thrown through the freaking barbershop window is still one of the greatest moments in wrestling history that I still talk about, that I still laugh about to this day, because fuck Marty Jannetty. But... <laughs> Who might be a murderer? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of, of people who've done shifty stuff, uh, Dark Side of the Ring this week uh, had to do with the Smith family. Mm -hmm. Grizzly Smith, his son Jake Roberts. Smith. Or, or uh, Aurelian Smith Jr., as his... Uh, given name is uh, Sam Houston, which I believe was Mike Smith, uh, Rockin' Robin, and they they had a brother who was not in professional wrestling, but they they delved deep into that family, and it's like you kind of watch it, and like almost the whole time, your jaws on the floor, like. This really effing happened, and like, either nobody one was, no one was the wiser, mm -hmm. or no one cared, and it's like, holy crap! I, I will, I will say this. I, I usually wait till Saturday to watch the new episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. Season three has not 
season three has not really lived up to the the name that it or to the hype I should say like season one and season two had. Season one was good. Season two was incredible. Season three has just been kind of lackluster. Yes, the Nick Gage one was interesting. I, I thought that that New Jacks was better than Nick Gage. But like I thought, the Nick Gage one was was pretty was pretty solid. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't. I think it's because of the fact that the New Jack one was the way the New Jack was. And sure. They, and then they went to Nick Gage the following season, and it's like, you guys did that so wrong. The one in the one in uh, North Korea, I like that one. Yeah. That one was my favorite so far of season three. The Pillman one was good. The Pillman one was good too. I, but, like, I always compare it to, it's like, well, it wasn't the same as, like, the Benoit one. And or I know the, it's Owen the, yeah, one. the Owen Hart one. But, like, you get a better understanding of Brian Pillman. Or, or my personal favorite, the UWF episode. Oh, that that one was the one that really over-exceeded all of its expectations. Like, I had, I was like, on UWF, I, I'm like, I've, I think I have vague recollections of this, and then watching that episode. Oh, it was, oh it was I mean, be Brian Blair, like, right near the end of the episode, talking about how, you know, uh, what was it, Herb? Herb Abrams. Herb Abrams died with cocaine and hookers. Where he wanted to go. I think it's how he would have wanted to go. Jeez. I'll tell you right now, Joe, uh, I was a little surprised that we didn't put Herb Abrams in our Hall of Fame after last year. <laughs> uh, he might may he rest in peace. Yeah, he's going to get some consideration for this year, too. But, like, you know, I the Ultimate Warrior one, it's like, how many times are you going to watch an Ultimate Warrior documentary? And that one, and the fact that the, the, the Dark Side of the Ring kind of coincided with his same episode on A&E's. And it's like you kind of watch them, and it's like the only difference between the A and E one with the Warrior and the Dark Side of the Ring one with the Warrior is the fact that his 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 uh, his widow Dana Warrior was in the one for A and E, whereas his first wife was in the Dark Side of the Ring one, where you find out a little bit more about like what he was. And Dana was not a fan of the Dark Side of the Ring version of it, and. I think most of her thing was once Warrior had children, he became a changed individual. The person that was shown off in the dark side of the ring was Warrior, but it was Warrior pre-children and pre-life change. And I can understand that to an extent. I'm saying. But the, the thing with him, the clip with him, Doing that Republican thing or conservative thing, oh, sure. and he and he and he throws out. I think the word was queering, like you can't. It, it, queering isn't right or whatever the hell. Whatever the hell it was that he said, I just was like, oh my god, why did he say like why? Why would you say something like that? Right. You are the ultimate warrior. You are one of the biggest names in professional wrestling history, and you're doing this. I'm sorry that that just it bothered me. Then yeah. they made him look like a fucking dick. That whole thing. And it did give a little bit more clarification because there was a lot of rumors back in, I think it was 1991, when he first got it released from WWE. And a lot of people were like, well, why the hell would they get rid of the Warrior when he was in just that huge of a... Look at that. He, he was, was in the, the middle of a story. He was in a storyline, big time thing. Him and Hulk Hogan went up against Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, and my fault. General Adnan. And General Adnan. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, the Iron Sheik, and whoever General Adnan was. Uh, but Adnan Virk. You know, 
the story was that he held up Vince McMahon for a whole bunch of money, and Vince is like, uh, and War Vince is like, I'm not going to pay this. Warrior says, Well, I'm not going to go out. Vince pays him. Warrior went out and performed, and then immediately was fired. Because Warrior wanted to get paid Hulk Hogan money. Well, at the time, was... I would argue that he was actually as big of a star as Hogan was. But Hogan had built up WWF. Mm -hmm. So he probably believed that he deserved more. But, hey, I understand where the Warrior's coming from, too. Hey, I'm putting my body on the line. I need to get paid. There's only so many years that, you know, your body oh, can get abused. I love the promo that the Warrior did before WrestleMania 6 when he's like, they've already made the sacrifice. He sounded like such a lunatic. It was so... <laughs> I was never a Warrior fan. That was the problem. I See, I, I, was a, I was a fan of the Warrior growing up. He, I, I liked him... A lot more than I liked Hulk Hogan. I mean, See, I, I, and part of it was my first house show. The Ultimate Warrior was there. He was there, and like, of all the matches, I don't remember any other match beside uh, seeing uh, WWE Hall of Famer Coco Beware go against the One Man Gang in the main event, and I remembered the Dingo Warrior. August 1987, Muzzy Field. Uh, with all of that, though, you know, Ultimate Warrior made some business decisions, and he was never really the biggest fan of wrestling. He wanted to get paid. Mm -hmm. And that was part of my issue initially with Baron Corbin. Not the biggest fan of wrestling, but... Which is funny, because, like, once you find out, because, like, that, that has been the thing that's been hovering over Baron Corbin's head, is, like, people are like, well, he's not a fan of wrestling, and then they come to find out that Baron Corbin actually is a fan of wrestling, he just kept it hidden that he didn't want people to look at him differently because he was a fan of wrestling, and it's like, bro, you're a pro wrestler. You could be a fan. I mean, how many, I mean, look, think about this. They talk about how Edge, you know, was in the crowd to watch WrestleMania uh, 6. WrestleMania 6. You know that, and you know, and they, they talk about how Mick Foley was in the crowd when Superfly Jimmy Snuka jumped off Don the Morocco. top of that freaking cage onto Don Morocco, and you talk about how Bailey was a huge. I mean, think about like how much of an influence that Eddie Guerrero has had on like Bailey and Sasha Banks, and you know, even CM Punk. You know, CM Dominic Punk, Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio. In his his son. yes, I know. I thank you. <laughs> but like, there's nothing wrong with being a wrestling fan to to an extent. To an extent. I'll, I'll admit that well, there, there are, there's, 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 there's going to be, yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a wrestling fan, but there are certain parts of the public who look down on it. Well, that, and there's certain wrestling fans out there that give a... Just like with everything else, though, there's always wrestling fans out there that give wrestling fans all around a bad name. You know, they, Wrestling fans were your brainless uh, not that long ago. Yep. For how and, they were and, reacting, and more more times than just that one time too, because they've been my fans, because it's my my brainless, yeah, because it's like you can't be acting this way, and I, I just don't like the fact that all these now all these freaking AEW fans out there are like, oh, no, no, you know, AEW is better than WWE. They crap like, gold. That, that, really? Uh, uh, 
I like AEW. I enjoy the fact that I have a different place I could go to watch professional wrestling that's done at a high level that I don't feel like I'm watching somebody... Nothing against ECW, but in a bingo hall. Yeah. You know, when TNA did their thing, they had a, a room that they would do impact in, and that's the only room that they did impact in. Mm -hmm. It was like rare occasions, like when they would go over to England to, to do a show in a full arena. The impact zone, I... I I was in it, could hold maybe about a thousand people, and it was free to get inside of those. So you weren't necessarily getting fans all the time. You would sometimes just get random people like, oh, free show? All right, I'll go to it. Yeah. So I like the fact that AEW is out there and allows us to have another high-profile wrestling thing. Look, to watch. Like, I, like I've said before, there's certain aspects of AEW that I do like, and there's certain aspects of AEW that I'm just not a big fan of. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is at the top of that list. No, no, not even. The fact that they have like 87 fucking factions is what it kills it. And uh, and too many run-ins. Uh, that, that's, that's just ridiculous. There are only uh, a few factions from AEW on the list. It's not all 87 of them on the, the list for the... the Favorite faction on Instagram. I put I put the the inner circle because anything that Chris Jericho goes in. I was actually thinking about it, like I don't think Chris Jericho had a name for a fa I don't even think that was really a faction that he had in WCW when it was him and um uh what the Ralphus and uh, what was the other dude's name? I don't remember. But like <laughs> I still remember that when they got lost in the arena with the Goldberg entrance. I, I still that shit still makes me like Chris Jericho still makes me laugh to this day. But, like, I put the inner circle on there. I put the pinnacle on there because I'm, like, I'm a huge fan of MJF. Even though they just, spoiler alert, they just lost to the inner circle on Sunday, which was kind of a big surprise for both of us, if I'm not, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Oh, I put the Dark Order on there. I put the uh, the Jurassic Express. Um, Jungle Boy. I'm, I'm a huge, excuse me, I'm a huge fan of Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy, shockingly enough... Won the uh, the twenty one. He he won the casino, casino battle, battle royale, royale, and will be facing. Uh, spoiler alert: Kenny Omega. Like we're really on Dynamite for the AEW title. Here's something else. This was a little bit of a surprise. So Nicole and I have been dating for almost a year and a half now. Yeah. And this this poor woman has been subjected to a lot of professional wrestling in that exact same amount of time. Yeah. And, uh, to a point where she's she is admitted. That her favorite tag team in all of professional wrestling is Brizongo, because she loves Fandango and thinks that he is the greatest wrestler in all professional wrestling. And, um, <laughs> I brought it to her attention. She had no idea the Jungle Boy was Luke Perry's kid. Oh, Jack Perry is actually Luke Perry from 90210's kid. He specifically didn't want to have the Perry name put on him because he didn't want to make any hay in the professional wrestling industry because of who his father was. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for that. Jim Ross accidentally on AEW commentary called him Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And Jungle Boy actually was like, when a goat thinks that this is 
the way that you should be called. You listen, so I'm okay with if Jim Ross thinks that this is the best way to present me, so be it. That's because Jack Perry has respect. He's not like that freaking no-good, dirty, smelly, ridiculously stupid, ugly, dumbass fucking Kenny Omega who gets upset because Jim Ross says that Randy Orton is better than Kenny Omega is. And I'm at the point where I'm telling you right now, Roman Reigns is better than Kenny Omega. So that's two, because I agree with him on Randy Orton. Hell, I'll even say AJ Styles is better than freaking Kenny Omega. Daniel Bryan, even though he's not active. There you go. Where he's number two in your programs and number 14 on the PWI's list of the top 500 wrestlers in the entire universe. Kenny Omega. I, I know wrestlers like to evolve characters. I would love to see the real Daniel Bryan come back or the real Bryan Danielson. Either way, as long as there's a hemp title involved. Uh, Timmy, he just looks like he smells. You know how there's certain people that you can see and you're like, oh, yeah, he definitely smells? I, I bet you any money Kenny Omega smells like a dank basement. And only the three of us would get that. And maybe your brother because we're the only ones, like, because, like, here in Virginia there is no basements. I think in the entire populace of the entire Commonwealth of Virginia, there's, like, four basements. And none of them are in Hampton Roads. Right. But that's, I'm convinced that's what Kenny Omega smells like. A dank basement and mothballs. I was going to say, not hot garbage. No. Okay. All right. And the young bucks smell like shit. <laughs> should, uh, I t- should I tell them? Matt Jackson works with him. No. no. <laughs> so I had, a, I had an incident at work this week <laughs> where I had shipped something out. Uh... Bosch and Fosh. Bosch and Fush. Bosch and Fush. Everybody is better than Mike Grady. I see even Mike Grady agrees. Uh, so- Bosch and Fush, by the way, is uh, my parents' basement. Okay. Uh, we'll just say that there used to be some gatherings in Bosch and Fush. Oh, I believe it. Uh, almost nightly uh, during the summers between like 97 through about 99. Okay. Yeah. They That's were freaking epic. We watched Happy Gilmore every night. And, yeah, crazy things happened. So, basically, at work this week, I I had an incident where I shipped something out to Florida that I wasn't supposed to ship out, but I wasn't told that I wasn't supposed to ship it out. I was following orders as usual, and the guy who had put in for the shipment to get shipped out got pissed off at me and started belittling me in an email. It just so happens that the dude's name is one half of the Young Bucks, who are the AEW Tag Team Champions. So I was telling Jay this, and I said, Jay, is me hating on this guy that is connected with my work the most brainless logic reason for me to hate the Young Bucks that I could have had? Yeah. It makes complete sense. You literally had a goat say yeah to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah? <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. I, 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 I knew a yeah was coming up, and I was like... Of course there's I'm a yeah not... coming up. Jay, there's like... There's three guarantees in life. Death, taxes, and there's going to be at least one yeah on the freaking podcast. Yeah? Yeah? 
Wow, I, I guess Nicole's not watching because I, I, I basically just you admitted tried, to the entire to all the marks out there that she is a huge fan of Fandango. She has seven of his shirts, and she ordered his action figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, me, me disliking a guy whose name is Matt Jackson is for a reason for me to hate the Young Bucks is the most brainless thing I could have done. So I had to bring that up. So and no, God, uh, no, God, God please, my... no, no. Ah, uh, my no. allergies, man. No. no! <laughs> But anyway, since we were talking about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and all that stuff, I said we just talk about Double or Nothing. Why don't we? That's a hell of a segue. Uh, just like you, Jay said, we had the uh, Casino Battle Royale. I'll tell you right now, I thought Christian was going to win it. Because the way they were making it seem like was Christian was going to be the next one in line to fight Kenny Omega for the AEW title. If if he was able to retain the championship against uh, Zero Pac, the Keebler Elf himself. And the freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. So, yeah. Yeah! And, and, and probably the biggest surprise in the entire pay-per-view, Jungle Boy went over. Jungle Boy, who hasn't really... Like, the first year of AEW didn't have too many signature wins if he even had any victories in I don't think he had AEW. a singles victory at all. He had... A couple with Jurassic Express with the Luchasaurus. Sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure he lost all the matches that Marco Stunt was his tag team partner because he'd be better off fighting a two-on-one handicap match and having Marco Stunt as his tag team partner. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I believe, Mike, you did have Hobbs winning. I, I do remember Mike yeah. saying that he had uh, Hobbs, because I like the pick when you picked Hobbs to win the uh, the thing. I, I had Christian. I want to say you had Christian Cage as well. I think we're all obviously we're we, all we wrong. Were, we were all wrong. I don't think I think I, I gotta I want to say Jungle Boy might have been the longest one of the longest long shots on the board to win it, but I'm I'm happy for him. This is a great opportunity for him. He's a good young up and coming star, and I think that him and Kenny Omega take. I know you have respect for his wrestling ability. I do. I have I have respect for Kenny Omega's wrestling ability. I think that him and Jungle Boy are going to have a really really good wrestling match. I want to say June twenty sixth. I thought I thought it was like Hold this on, weekend, or, or or this week coming up. I could be it's wrong. It's on with a it. Saturday. Okay. I want to. Yeah, it was June twenty sixth. I can't believe I actually got that one right. I don't, I don't remember whether or not I washed my hair in the shower, but I remember that they're wrestling on June twenty sixth for the AEW title. Um, a hell of an opportunity for him. I think this is great. He's going to finally showcase himself, and Kenny Omega is going to look make the kid look really good in the ring, and. I'm excited. I'm really happy for him. I really am. Uh, I am too. It's something different. We, my my hope for this. Back in the day, uh, I know I'm going to be bringing up one of your least favorite wrestlers, but I'm throwing this out there. When X Pac went against Bret Hart. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That brought. X-Pac, and I, he might have still been the 1-2-3 kid at that moment, but that brought him up to a new level. I'm hoping just being in the ring in a featured match with Kenny Omega that that will bring Jungle Boy up, you know, a few more notches. It, it, it'll definitely bring him up a, a few more notches in the eyes of the fans and everybody who's watching in general. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a... This is a tremendous opportunity for him. 
and it's going to get him a chance to showcase himself. And he's going up against one of the big names in the company, if not one of the biggest names in the entire industry, who's now the belt collector. I did enjoy that Kenny Omega did use all three belts to help him uh, win in his match later on in the show. Yeah? Yeah! Uh, Jungle Boy going over. Uh, good on AEW for doing something a little bit outside of the box. Agreed, 100%. Uh, one thing that was not outside the box but was I was perfectly good with was Dr. Britt Baker going over Hikaru Shida. Uh, Shida had a great reign. Britt Baker has been building this persona and taking the AEW women's division up several notches in the last... I'd say eight months. Good on AEW for pulling the trigger in giving Dr. Britt Baker the title. I mean, the Adam Cole, Cole baby. baby! Dr. Britt Baker household needs a title. And I, and I will say this. I thought it was interesting that, uh, I want to. I don't remember who it was, but it was brought up the fact that Britt Baker was originally in WWE. When Nia Jax first got called up to the main roster, Britt Baker was somebody she got in the ring with, and she squashed. Then they had Britt Baker down in NXT, and she got squashed out by Shayna Baszler. And WWE didn't see anything in Britt Baker, so they let her go. And what happens? Well, she signs with AEW, and now she's the AEW Women's Champion. And after the, the releases and everything this week, WWE's women's division is shit. Absolute shit. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to say it. WWE's women's division on the main roster is absolute shit. I don't think it is. It's just booked terribly. It's booked terribly, but... And it's also... Um, I mean, Bianca Belair is a I good like performer. I like, I like Bianca Bailey Belair. is a good just, performer. Sasha is a good performer. She's a baby. It doesn't stop you from being a good performer. Kenny Omega's a baby, but he performs in the ring. Yeah, and I don't like him either. What's your point? Well, it doesn't mean you're not good. It just means you're a baby. Oh, uh, Bret Hart was a baby, too. Bret Hart is still a baby. Oh, well, Corey just blocked us. <laughs> yeah! I mean, I love Bret. Bret is one of the greatest in-ring performers. Let me get it out of the way. Bret is one of the best technical wrestlers I've ever seen. A lot of dream matches I could have that Bret Hart would be a part of. At the end of the day, you call a turd a turd. The dude's a baby. Yeah. Um, but and Mike agrees with me. Again, I come back to it's not the talent of the ladies. Oh, no, it's, I, I, the it's the booking of them. It's I mean, the booking of everything. Charlotte is a great performer. Agreed. Oscar's a great performer. Uh, Rhea Bianca, Ripley is a great performer. She's getting there. She's getting there to be a great performer. Uh, Bianca Belair is almost on that level too. She's I I'm enjoying her as a performer. I I've become more and more of a fan of Bianca Belair as the more I've watched her. They have plenty of women to make the division better, make it stand out more. And, and even with all that said, outside of Dr. Britt Baker, what has AEW done for the women's division? Technically speaking, in my view, WWE still has a better women's division than AEW. Um, Just neither one of them knows how to book it. That's the for, problem. For a while, WWE was doing a, a fine job booking it I, to I, build I, them up to the level that they're at now. But 
and I understand that three of your three of your stars, and I am going to count Lacey Evans in that conversation. But the fact is, three of their stars, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and Lacey Evans, all have gotten pregnant over the last year, year and a half. You know, they're waiting for Becky to come back. Obviously, Becky will be back once the the fans uh, are returning. And speaking of Lacey Evans, I know this is a, a terrible segue. Um, her and her husband had their gender reveal yesterday for their second child. Oh, okay. They're having another girl. All right. So congratulations to uh, Lacey Evans and her Confirmed husband. that it's not Ric Flair's child, It's right? not Ric Flair's child, okay. yes. It is uh, her maestro's child, whatever his name is. The lady's maestro or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, you know, Mike, Natty is still a, uh, a solid worker, and I think she's there to be a locker room leader more than anything at this point. She's never really done much for me as far as her character stuff goes like honestly the thing i remember most about her is when they put the farting gimmick on her and it's like you know that that was specifically there so vince mcmahon could be in the back <laughs> that's such good shit i like natty as an in-ring performer i really do and she's been there for so long i have a lot of respect of what she has done for the women's division and the fact is is that she is from one of the most iconic wrestling families in the entire history of the business. And, you know, she's been there for so long. And and we've seen it over the years. It doesn't matter who you're related to. You have to still go out there and perform. Because even if, you know, for every Randy Orton, there's a Ted DiBiase Jr. For every Cody Rhodes, there's a Sim Snooker. So, I mean... it. The fact is, is like, yes, yeah, she has the name attached to it, but she needs to still go out there and perform. And uh, uh, you, yeah, you know, yeah. Mike, I was just gonna go there. The savior of the women's division is coming, Ava Marie. <sighs> but th- th- this goes back into the, the WWE releases. You release a talented woman performer like Ruby Riot to bring back Ava Marie. Now, I know that uh, Lana isn't the greatest wrestler of all time. You're not going to have her get confused with Alundra Blaze or Mickey James. But, you know, I, I'm Ava not, Marie. I, I know, yeah. Don't Look, worry, not, though. Don't worry. One of my the best things that happened this week is it looks like we're finally going to see the, the Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax team get split up, which is paving the way. Ava Marie versus Nia Jax. It's going to be great. They did it's going to be great. Jay, did you know I changed my mind four times on my brain list this week? Four times. The first time I had to change it, the first idea I think came up on, on Sunday, and then Monday I had, had a different one. So my brain list for today is actually completely different than what it was on Monday, which was completely different than it was on Sunday. But it's, it's here. Where is it? I got it right here. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? But, um, yeah. So, we also, on AEW's uh, Double or Nothing, we had Hangman Page go up against Brian Cage in the Battle of the Dr. Seuss. Because they rhyme. Yeah. And much to the happiness of the brainless one and the booking that he was so thrilled about that he said at the beginning of the show, Hangman Page went over on Brian Cage. As Hangman Page is the GOAT of AEW now. Right. He's a bad man. That is a bad man. I, I, I enjoy Hangman Page, and 
I don't know where he goes from here. Like, they had a thing, I think it was with the Dark Order, where they said, we don't need a leader. So, I mean, part of me was thinking, I think even last week I mentioned, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have Sting be the head of the Dark Order. Well, that's what happened Wednesday. I've, I've seen one name that's been thrown out a significant amount. I saw it on Twitter all Wednesday evening. But we'll get into that. Um, I, I, I'm happy for Hangman Page. I think he deserves a shot at the title now. I mean, he's he hasn't really done anything to like not get a title shot. He's beaten everybody they've thrown in his direction. And that buckshot Larry is so badass. And he, he him covered in the blood and everything. Else. Oh, man. Yeah. Hangman Page is... He's... He's not he's not Chris Jericho for me in AEW, and he's not Orange Cassidy, but that's it. They're, they're my three favorites right there. Cassidy, Jericho, and Hangman Page. All right. So, I was happy to see, I was really happy to see him win. That and the fact that I want to drink with Hangman Page in the worst possible way. Well, maybe when he comes home, you just, you know, hit him up. Apparently, he's going to be a dad, too. Hey, good for him. Found out this week, so I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, that it, it's it's good that the the best wrestler in our state that we're in right now is is having a really good run as of late the last week or so. <laughs> yeah. So Botox. We had uh, Sting wrestling in front of people for the first time in six years, uh, tagging with Darby Allen against Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. I thought it was interesting that Sting's first match in front of fans was not the whole Hobbs and Brian Cage, because that whole thing was like what they were kind of developing with Sting. Obviously, you work with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. These are two really good ring-ring performers. I love Scorpio Sky. Yeah. He, he's been absolutely killing it since he went to AEW. Um, and honestly, goodness, I'm happy to see Sting and Darby Allen get the victory in this one, because, hey, who's not happy to see Sting of all this? Is Sting, which was another thing about the Warrior Dark Side of the Ring that they brought up, was that, like him and Sting and Warrior kind of got into the business at the same time, and they're like, "Yeah, we see it, we see it in Sting, we just don't see it in the other guy. The other guy looks the part, but he just doesn't have the wrestling ability. Where Sting actually looked the part, and he could actually wrestle. Right. I, I think that Sting is probably the most underappreciated wrestlers of all time. Well, he. He just wanted to go out there, do his job, yeah. and get paid to do it. And with Sting, he 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 didn't have like he wasn't like Hulk Hogan trying to hog glory. Right. All right. What's best for the team? That's always what I got from Sting. Even when he was in TNA, and he probably could have said. Yeah, I'm not going to come in unless you give me the title and I have to keep the title for a couple years. Nope. Sting was completely content with helping build up other people and putting on the best matches he could. I, I love the Kurt Angle versus Sting uh, empty arena match that mm -hmm. they did in the Impact Zone. I want to say it, it was main event Mafia time. I want to say that Angle was the champion. I think it was for the TNA championship, but... Sting's just always been, it seems like, a good dude and a team player and not out for himself. And I think that's why he's underappreciated. He didn't sit there and try to elbow people out uh, of victories. Sting is my all-time favorite WCW wrestler. I fucking love Sting. 
I was always a big fan of Surfer Sting, and you know, Surfer yeah. Sting was the one that we got yeah. at Clash of the Champions thirteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did too. I, I dug the I, I dug Surfer Bro Sting. He was the best of the stings. I mean, obviously, you know, emo sting was was pretty impressive too, uh, which is Wolfpack better than sting. The lunatic sting and their uh, impact. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, Tim, a sixty-two-year-old man doesn't necessarily need a victory, but I would say that everybody that was in the ring that night with him was elevated whether they won or not. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I appreciated greatly that Sting did like a sunset flip. I was like, 62 doing a sunset flip. Good for you, Sting, man. Well, Hulk Hogan's at home talking about brother while, while nursing his hip and his back and all that stuff. You know, uh, as far as Sting and his... his body and how it is we have to remember that when he took that move from seth rollins that was six years ago his spinal stenosis issues aren't as severe as what edge has dealt with and they specifically put him in like a pre-filmed match for his first match and he specifically was in a tag team match where the younger competitor took most of the stuff in the match, and they did everything they could to protect him. He could, I mean, he still looked pretty dang good in the ring For on Sunday night. Considering he's 62 years of age. He looked better than every night of Great Kali's career. Every night than Giant Gonzalez's career. Heck, he looked better than a lot of people who have been wrestling for, you know, supposedly in their prime but wrestling for a decent amount of years he looked very solid which is funny because tim actually said earlier in the podcast the triple threat match between el gigante the great Kali, and the yeti and it's funny because it made me think of uh a couple years ago i asked the solo monster who would win in the match between the great Kali and giant gonzalez and he said i'll tell you one thing the only people who are losing are the fans who have to watch that match and i Huge fan of the Solo Monster. You know, I have a lot of respect for what he does when it comes to wrestling podcasts. He's the, he's the benchmark of where I want us to be, and I, I think we're I think we're in a good spot. I do. So, Sting gets the pin here again. I I, I think everybody in this match got elevated. So, as much as you're like, eh, sixty two year old doesn't need a win. You know, the icon doesn't need the victory. I'm I'm sure that Paige and Sky were more than happy to take the pinfall. Mike, I'll tell you that that power bomb that he took from Brian Cage a couple months ago. Yeah, I was like, oh man, I'm like he ain't getting up for that one. I'm like, I'm not getting up from it. I'd even eat the eat the power bomb. So the uh, fact that he did get up from that, had a match not that long after that, and has had another match, and it's not like these matches are the first time he's going out there. They're right. doing training behind the scenes. Right. Uh, speaking of which, right now, uh, Vince McMahon has told a bunch of the uh, performers that he wants to see them at the performance center to get prepped for when they go back on tour. A lot of th- what they've been saying is... People like us watching on TV might not see it quite so much, uh, 
but the performers have felt that their timing's been a little bit off and that their matches haven't been as crisp as they should be. So Vince is sending them to the performance center to kind of tighten up their timing and get them back used to wrestling as much as they're going to when they're on the road. So I except just wanted for, to throw that in. Except for AJ Styles. He doesn't need to go. Goats don't need to go. Right. AJ Styles still still is performing at a high level even at 43 years of age, I think. Uh, but they're going to the Performance Center to get ready for the road again. And now, when they go back on the road, are they going to be doing like the whole four to five days a week, or are they just going to be traveling for Raw and SmackDown and the pay-per-views? Well, it said it was a 25-city tour that was going to go from mid-July until the beginning of September. Okay, so it is, it's more than... It's, it's, it's almost, it's not every day, but it's most days. And I think they, they I, I think they're just planning, a, you know, a couple months ahead, because mm-hmm. even though it seems like in the United States we're kind of reaching the end of the pandemic, mm-hmm. you just never know if a variant's going to come or uh, shift us back where we have to close things off, so... There will probably be another tour right after that, but they're waiting to see right. how the numbers are. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. So As long as we get NXT to actually finally re- return to the Hampton Roads area, that's all I care about. Honestly, you know what? For me, that was my I've though. seen NXT. I've seen WWE. I've seen TNA shows. I would love to see an AEW show here in Hampton Roads. Only if Chris Jericho is out there and we're singing Judas with him. That's my only stipulation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, back to double or nothing. We had the tag team champions, Nick and Matt Jackson, the young fucks, going up against the team of Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. One of my personal favorite now makeshift tag teams. Because it, it works. It really does work. Yeah. That's that's the bar that was set. <laughs> See, that's all I'm here. Yeah. Uh, Really solid match. Um, in the end, no surprise really. The Young Bucks went over on Moxley and Kingston. I, I, I got a feeling the Bucks are going to get a, a really long-winded title reign out of this. Well, they've shifted to heels. Them annoyingly, continuously being the champions will do nothing but get them more heat. You know from. Somebody like you, who just like, I don't like them because they're, you know, executive vice presidents and they've given themselves a title reign and they're not going to take the titles off them. Or just the casual fan who doesn't know anything about that and like, I don't like these guys. They turn their backs on their other friends and mm-hmm. so... See, my, my whole thing is is that the Young Bucks, they're, they're a good tag team. It's just like the whole Kenny Omega thing. I love watching the Young Bucks in the ring. I love them. They're, they're, they're a tremendous in-ring tag team, no matter who we're talking about. Legion of Doom, Dudley Boys, sure. Harlem Heat, whoever. These guys are, they're legit. And there's a lot of matches, either them and the Usos or them in the New Day or you name whoever, that I would kill to see as a wrestling fan because I think it would be entertaining wrestling. But the fact is, is that the Young Bucks talk themselves up more than anything else. They talk up themselves worse than Dave Meltzer talks up Kenny Omega. Okay? 
Keep that in context. And that's my problem with the Young Bucks, because they keep talking like they're the greatest tag team of... No, 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 no. You can't even hold Hawk and Animal's freaking jockstrap. You, you're not even allowed in Dudleyville, okay? So, get the fuck out of here with that. And that's that's my issue that I have with the Young Bucks, is that they think... They, they talk themselves up like they're better than what they really are. Okay. If that makes any sense. No, I understand it, but part of the professional wrestling game is to talk to yourself up as if you are the greatest thing that has ever happened to the world. Let, let me, let me, let me, I'll be or, or do you. you feel that, like, that's really them saying, yeah, we're better than... I don't think it's... Okay, so when you have a wrestler that goes out there and talks about how he's good or whatever it is, it's a shtick. When you have somebody like Ric Flair doing it, it's fucking Ric Flair doing it. But this is a man who is, was a 16-time world champion who survived two plane crashes. That man is... To be the man, you gotta beat the man. When Ric Flair's doing it, it's entertaining. When the Young Bucks are doing it, they're douchebags. Okay? That's what it, what it comes down to at the end of the day. Like, Ric Flair's going out there, and yes, yes I understand that the Bucks are, are going out there and backing it up, but it's like, come on, man, shut the fuck up. Seriously, just shut the fuck up. If you were that good, why didn't you go to WWE? Hey, Ric Flair did it. Ric Flair won the WWF Championship in a Royal Rumble where he came out as number three. Not what fair did, to Flair. What did you two fuckers ever do in WWE? Did you have like a squash match where you both lost? Yeah, that's probably what it was. That's what I thought. You can't be the best tag team in the world if you don't go to the greatest wrestling organization in the world. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I, that's just that's just my opinion. Okay. Because you could be a really good tag team and destroy people and merely make a name for yourself in ECW and then go to WWE and be drizzle shits and then you're back in free agency because you suck. Public enemy. Yes, that's exactly where I was going. That's it. Hey, you caught that one. Good. Yeah. But um, anyway, the Bucks went over on oh, uh, uh, Moxley, Moxley and, and Kingston. Kingston. Not really a big surprise for me. I, I will start watching AEW religiously again once that fucking derp-facing derp is no longer the AEW women, uh, women's <laughs> champion. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, so, as far as, I mean, you could watch AEW and just any time he's uh, on derp-a-da-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-a-derp-
Orange Cassidy and the Bastard Pack. And and, and, and and much to the chagrin of the brainless one, the the Bastard Pack did not throw fudge stripe cookies at either Kenny Omega or Orange Cassidy. So I was a little disappointed that the Keebler Elf did not live up to his gimmick. But like we predicted... Shocker! Orange Cassidy was there to take the pin. Shocker! Even so, it was an entertaining as heck match. A couple times where Orange Cassidy got the near pinfall. Uh, Don Callis on commentary, like, freaking out. and Don Callis is the best part about Kenny Omega. Uh, there were a couple of times on commentary during Double or Nothing where, like, the commentators were correcting themselves. But, like, in the middle of this match, Jim Ross said that Pac was from Wales, and he's not. <laughs> Excalibur ended up correcting him on air. And then, like, Jim Ross, obviously irritated, was like, eh, had to correct me on air, huh? And something along those lines in... Excalibur just goes, I don't want Pac mad at me. And Jim Ross is like going, yeah, you know what? That's a good point. But the fact that Jim Ross actually like outwardly, like, yeah, why are you calling me out? Making me look bad. It's Jim fucking Ross, man. So uh, Mike Rainey said that he was confused that Pac did not eat the pinfall at the pay-per-view on Sunday, but he did eat the pinfall last night on Dynamite. Yesterday, specifically, was a tag match, and I, I think they're trying to make that distinction. But if you get pinned, you get pinned, right? Whether you're... Because that was, was, that was the big thing when they first started with this whole AEW thing. It was supposed to be Pac versus Hangman Page for the AEW title for the, to become the first ever AEW champion. And Pac was like, no, nah, I haven't lost in like two years since I lost to that freaking certified G and that bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. And... He didn't want to. He didn't want to eat the pinfall against Hangman Page, which is why the two of them didn't fight for the AEW title. And yeah, and and the crazy part about that is neither one of them has been AEW champion. Right. So it's like, all right. So clearly, Pac was supposed to win this match. This is what it looks like. He was supposed to win the match, even though he said he didn't want to be in that match. Because maybe I, I have no idea. I'm I'm so confused by that. Because I would have, if, if Hangman Page was supposed to win that match, he should have been champion. Instead, they had Chris Jericho beat Kenny Omega to get a, a, one half of the shot of the AEW title, and then Hangman Page won the first ever Casino Battle Royale, and then obviously the Goat of Goats, who has goaded more than goats have ever goated in the history of Goatdom, becomes the first ever AEW champion. I have it on good authority. The reason why Pac accepted the, taking the pinfall yesterday is uh, there was a box of EL. Fudge held ransom. Oh, no, not the EL Fudge. Those are my favorites. Yeah. I love those. Oh, them and, and the Fudge Stripes, they're, they're like, there's a tie between the two. I, I right. love I love Keep the Cookies. That's why it's so funny when I make that joke because. And I th and, 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 and for the record, I want to say this Pac is not, he is not as big of a pussy as freaking Kevin Owens is. How many times have I made that joke where I tagged? Freaking Neville or Pac in that, like, he's a Keebler elf and he's got the, the hollowed out tree and all that. I made that joke at least a million times. Dude never freaking blocked me. I made one little joke about Kevin Owens with a cupcake and he got all butthurt and blocked me. So there were several moments in this match. One where Pac gave the black arrow to Orange Cassidy, was about to get the pin. Kenny Omega 
pulls Pack off of Orange Cassidy, but there was a, a part in this match where Orange Cassidy had the pinfall on Pack and was about to be your AEW world champion, and Don Callis ran from commentary to pull the referee off, and then all sorts of chicanery happened. I will say this. A lot of times when you do those triple threat matches, you'll notice that a lot of times it's two of the guys that are going at each other, and the third dude's kind of like hovering around outside waiting for his opportunity. That was not the case in this match. There was a lot of three-man action going on. That sounded so bad when I said it. But there was a lot of times where the three of them were fighting each other in the ring instead of like one outside and two of them beating the shit out of each other, which I thought was a really, really nice element to that match. Because it was something different than what we're used to in triple threat matches, even though I'm not an overly huge fan of triple threat matches for titles. There were a couple of times where like Pac ended up taking a kick from Kenny Omega and then was dead for the next ten minutes. Mm-hmm. There, there was another part where, where Cassidy was down for quite a while. But well, in general, yeah, it was a lot of, you know, the three of them... Beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. That was one thing I, I took away from that, and that was one thing that I wanted to applaud AEW for doing as opposed to what WWE would have done. Sure. So. Uh, I appreciated Kenny Omega using all three of his belts. You know, part of his character is the belt collector no dq in a match like this and orange cassidy thinking he's about to get one over on kenny omega and you end up having kenny omega subverting the situation and turning it into a a victory and it was like a uh, i think he did a crucifix Mm -hmm. and like you don't expect to see a crucifix to end a world title match. I enjoyed that little mm-hmm. deviation. I, I I enjoyed that. So overall, a really really good match. Agreed, Mike. Um, I'm gonna say this. I I think that Jr. I mean, yes, Jr. has gotten a little long in the tooth. I still think he's better than probably most of the guys out there that call Matt. I think he's better than Michael Cole, but I I think Michael Cole is freaking sloppy shit. Um. Jimmy Smith, uh, uh, that was another thing was this week, was that Jimmy Smith uh, had his debut as the Monday the Night lead, Raw. lead guy on Monday Night Raw. I'll tell you, he's, he was good. I was impressed with the way he was, because I that was the one thing that really drew me to Monday Night Raw this week, was that Jimmy Smith was making his debut on the broadcast team, considering the fact that it's just been a revolving door, like we talked about last week, where Adnan Verk got fired, and you know Todd Phillips got fired, and... Everybody else who has ever called a match on Monday Night Raw has been fired. But yeah. Jimmy Smith Jimmy Smith was good this week. I, I thought he fit in perfectly. I think him and Corey Graves are going to work very well together on Monday Night Raw. They just got to do something with Byron Saxton now. The All guy right. who just won't go away. <laughs> but on another note, with when, since we're on the conversation of announcers, there's nobody better right now than Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is the best. And what I love about Pat McAfee is part of the reason why I love Corey Graves so much. Because, like, Corey Graves has been the heel. He's Bobby Heenan. He is the 2020s version of Bobby. He's not as good as Bobby Heenan. Nobody will ever be as good as Bobby Heenan. I'm sorry. No disrespect to anybody else. He's close, but he's not Bobby Heenan. Would Vince McMahon have let Bobby Heenan get away with laughing through an entire match on commentary? Oh, hell no. No freaking way. 
There's no way, but that's because Vince McMahon is a freaking turd. <laughs> but um, McAfee, and it, it was the same thing with Corey Graves, because like even though Corey Graves was the big heel announcer, he was when Nakamura was a face. He was Nakamura's biggest fan when Nakamura. He loved Nakamura. Everybody loves Nakamura. So the fact that like the last couple weeks when Nakamura is coming out with his song with. With Rick Boogs, which I don't even want to get into that really, and like and watching McAfee standing on top of the announce table dancing as Nakamura is coming out is just absolute gold. Pat McAfee is one hundred percent killing it on the broadcast team. He is the best person in all of WWE when it comes to talking about professional wrestling in the broadcast. I don't even care. He is having fun, he is enjoyable, and he is entertaining. I am 100% on I love that move. Love it. He's great. He's he's fantastic. So Yeah, when they hired Adnan Verk, it, there were things like in the first week or two that like it was clear signs like he would either call the person the wrong name or give the wrong name of the move. And I'm like, eh, he's a professional. He'll get it in a few weeks. And he wasn't really catching on. No. It was understandable to make the move. And, and it's Jimmy sh- Smith has been getting almost universal praise for what he did on Monday Night Raw. Hopefully that will continue. I, I think it's different, and, and, and don't get me wrong, Adnan Verk is very talented. He's a very talented individual. He was good at ESPN. He was good on the MLB Network. Now he's going to be working with Dan Lebertard now that he's no longer with WWE, which is kind of funny. Because they even said it, like, a guy who was in WWE for a cup of coffee. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. But I, I thought he, it was going to be interesting to see how he would transition. Because he's really more of like a live sports type of thing like that. Or doing like a sports center as opposed to like a predetermined thing. Jimmy Smith, because he has the ties in UFC, it was an easier transition for him to go into it. Because yes, I know that UFC is like the real deal and WWE is predetermined drizzle shits. But at the end of the day, it's still combat sports in combat sports. So it's an easier transition for Jimmy Smith to go in there as opposed to Adnan Verk, who is more of like a baseball or a hockey guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the WWE did have Scott Sanford back in the day, who transitioned pretty well from being a straight-ahead sports dude to WWE, and I I think they were hoping for something like that. Scott Sanford, I think, still works there too. He may. I think he works for like the the. His the, primary the... job is a sports guy in New York City. Mm-hmm. But he does stuff for WWE, and I think he still does stuff for the network. Whether or not he's still like a full-time employee is a, a different thing. But Sean Moody is. <laughs> yeah. If you had told me back in the '90s that Sean Mooney would still be doing WWE shit in the 2020s, I would have laughed in your face and like that guy's a freaking ass clown. But I digress. All right, and the main event for Double or Nothing was the Stadium Stampede match. I thought they were going to break up the Inner Circle, quite honestly. Apparently, they want this feud to continue. You know, one side has one victory, the other side has a victory. They have scheduled two weeks from now, there's going to be Jake Hager versus Wardlow in an MMA-style fight. Ooh, I'm actually on board with that. So... 
this is something I've been talking about and pitching that if they were going to do Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley in WWE, I'd love to see them do something like the Lions Den match with the two of them, make it feel more like a, a, a true fight, but AEW beating WWE to the punch and taking Jake Hager, who is, he's done some MMA. Not terrible. I, no, he, he's undefeated, and he has, I think, one DQ. He's 3-0. and uh, The one match I saw, it looked like he, he ran out of gas. He ended up winning, like, a split decision, but he ran out of gas uh, pretty early in the match. All that being said, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I always like seeing the big dudes kind of hook up and see who who the man is. It's kind of like... One of the one of the most underrated when it comes to two big dudes going at it is WrestleMania two and the Battle Royal, when Big John Studd and the and the Fridge William Perry yeah. were going at it. I I loved that shit. That was yeah. good. That's such good shit. Right. But yeah, I I, I thought it was. I, I I'm I'm happy they're doing that. I really I really am. I think this is going to give Wardlow a chance to see him in a different type of an element. You know, Jake Hager has this background in the MMA. I mean, he was a, an amateur wrestler back when he was at Oklahoma. All-American. All-American-American with his Thorin Eagle or Eagle or whatever the hell it was. Right. Soaring Eagle. One thing I really enjoyed about the setup and the production for the Stadium Stampede match, one, all the dudes from the inner circle, like, repelling from the top of, like, that jumbotron mm-hmm. in Jacksonville's stadium. But also, the way they shot it was four different stories going on at once. Like, it was MJF versus Jericho. Mm-hmm. It was Pride and Powerful against FTR. It was Sammy Guevara against Sean Spears. Mm-hmm. It was Jake Hager versus Wardlow. And they shot them individually. And I was actually... Kind of surprised with how f- far Jericho went and was willing to go and how much time on camera he had, considering he's got the messed up arm. And kudos to him for, for taking a serious injury, working with it, mm-hmm. and, you know, he hasn't injured himself any further but fulfilling at least this part of the storyline to get them to where they are now. Sammy Guevara was the big standout in this match, in my view. I enjoyed all the different aspects, though. I liked that Wardlow and Hager ended up in, like, the meat locker uh, of the stadium. I loved that FTR and Pride and Powerful ended up in the bar and ended up sharing a drink with each other before they started beating the hell out of each other again. And beating the hell out of everybody that was in the bar with them. And they had this one really cool part where Sammy Guevara is looking for Sean Spears and you just hear this tapping. And they had like a spotlight on Sean Spears. And then they turn the lights on. And he's in a room and it's all the chairs for like the stadium. So it's a room. He's... The The chairman of AEW, and he's in the room full of chairs, and they just utilized chairs an awful lot, utilizing the stuff that best accentuated each character in each little story they had, 
and using the fact that Daly's Place is interconnected mm -hmm. with the stadium and bringing the match eventually into the stadium to have the, the end of it happen. Well, I will say this, because the one thing, the, my, my devil's advocate, like the one thing I did not like about it, and it was because it was somebody that we talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast, and it just so happens that that dickhead had to show up on AEW. And it, it bothers me, but it also gives me false hope for something else. So during the stadium stampede match, there was a part where MJF and Chris Jericho are fighting inside the stadium, and they end up in a room, and lo and behold, who's in there? None other than the new Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer, who was also in there with his defensive coordinator, Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong was throwing footballs at Jericho and MJF, and 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 freaking well, Urban Jericho Meyer. ended up using yeah. them to yeah, to to kind of pelt uh, yeah, and then Jericho and, took the computer the from laptop from Meyer. From Meyer. So the fact that I, I, I it was. Oddly similar to when they did the Money in the Bank last year, when AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan ended up in Vince McMahon's office and started fighting each other, and then Vince was like, get out of here, and they pushed the chairs back in and everything and acted like business as usual, which I thought was a nice little avenue that we don't see as like wrestling fans because it's stuff that's backstage and behind the scenes and all that stuff. But for me, it had a little bit too much of a feel to that and the fact that I didn't need to see Urban Meyer in a wrestling show ever. Uh, I wanted Tim Tebow more than anything. Once Urban Meyer showed up, I'm like, Tim Tebow needs to be here. Tim Tebow, Tebow needs to be here. Tebow needs to go into professional wrestling. And his biggest supporter in him becoming a professional wrestler is Jim Ross. And you. But that's besides the point. He's, he would make money. He would make money. Not only would Tim Tebow make money, Tim Tebow would make a lot of money in professional wrestling. If he was smart, he would become a professional wrestler. Maybe he will at some point. Uh, he, he might. Um, but I know JR has been somebody, because like, even when JR was in WWE, he said Tim Debo would be perfect, because with him and his whole religious beliefs, they can they could flip that and get him so much heat from that, and all he has to do is just be himself. Right. And I, and I, lo and I love that, because Tim Tebow has the look. Tim Tebow has a, has a personality. Tim Tebow would be a successful professional wrestling, and I know you wouldn't argue with me on that. No, not at all. And I, I now with Urban Meyer being there, I want the Tebow on AEW. I need the Tim Tebow is all elite, and I will freaking lose my mind. Uh, all that being said, there are a couple of moments in this match that I was not a huge fan of, but overall, I really enjoyed the presentation of the match, it felt like when when Coach Scott was throwing Jericho the, the, the footballs. I'm like, oh yeah, this feels like staged, not mm -hmm. like spur of the moment. The the part where MJF got on the phone and started, oh, yeah, Chris is busy right now. It, it, I'm like, I saw the Rock do it, and I saw the Rock do it better. Yeah, they gotta they gotta stop. So that there were a couple of little yeah. things like that. And now, if you're a wrestling fan that's only been watching for the last 10 or 15 years you've never seen what the rock did unless you've gone back on wwe network or peacock now to watch the halftime show during the super bowl from all those years ago can, can, with uh, mick foley can you do me a favor can we never mention peacock in my presence on this podcast until they get their shit together because right now i now have somebody in wwe who i actually hate more than are you ready for this one brace yourself for this there is somebody in WWE I hate more than Kevin Dunn. Oh, really? Who's that? Nick Khan! 
The new Nick, president. Nick Khan, who is the new president of WWE, who has been part of the like them uh, part of these the releases. He's been helping them try to get the sale. And it came to my attention yesterday that Nick Khan was the one responsible for them shit canning the WWE network, which was the best thing on the fucking planet. I don't care what anybody says. And replaced it with Peacock. Now, I understand that, well, well, Brainless One, why would you be upset about one streaming service dying and the other one being born and, and being able to still show you your WWE content? And not only that, but you get two of your favorite TV characters of all time and Dwight K. Schrute and Ron Swanson. Why would you ever be mad? Well, I'll tell you right now, because I have a freaking, a Fire TV, a Fire Stick TV? Fire Stick. A Fire Stick, it's a Fire Stick is in the TV, so I think it's a Fire TV it's, it's, it's whatever it is. Yeah, Fire TV. But they never they did not get that contract with Amazon so that Peacock could be played on Fire TVs or Fire Sticks or anything like that. So the only way I could watch Peacock is on my fucking phone. Why am I going to want to watch a wrestling pay-per-view on my fucking phone? Yeah? So Nick Khan, you can suck my... Never mind. I'm going to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I just I I, I I I asked I asked the people with Peacock and they're like oh don't worry we're trying to figure it out that was two fucking months ago why am I paying granted it's only five bucks a month but why am I paying five dollars to not be able to watch what I want to watch or watch it on where I want to watch it I have no problem watching NXT or Raw or SmackDown or AEW or any of that stuff because it's on cable and that's what the Hulu Live is for but I can't watch pay per views. How am I supposed to do my podcast and go out here and look like an imbecile if I have no idea what I'm talking about because I can't watch it? Right. Right. So Nick Khan is now my least favorite person in all of WWE, which says a lot because Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon and Kevin Owens are all still there. With all that being said, circling back to Double or Nothing, Sammy Guevara, at the end of the match, did a 6.30 splash on... To Sean Spears to get the pin for the inner circle and get a victory. Uh, and there, there was a, a cool little moment at the end where they put Sammy Guevara on their shoulders. And, you know, as much as I had and then still have issues with the way Sammy acted when he was supposed to work for Impact. Hopefully he's grown up a bit. Yeah. And I saw Jericho kind of whispering to... Uh, one of the guys from Pride and Powerful, I forget which one it was. I think that they were all going to put their arms up. And I, I'm, I'm going to say Jericho was probably like going, uh, yeah, my left arm hurts. So, And from what I hear, the Jericho injury is legit. It happened during the Blood and Guts match. And even though they had like crash pads underneath, you're falling 25 feet. Mm-hmm. It's not going to feel good. So I think when he landed, he landed as best he could, but still messed up his uh, left arm. Yeah, and I and I think that part of you know part of him like posting on social media, him with his sling on, was kind of a dead giveaway. I mean, granted, it's an art form of selling it. Like Cowboy Bob Orton, I'm still convinced, still wears the cast on his hand from thirty some odd years ago, almost forty years ago. Now right. I think about it. And, but like Chris Jericho, when he posts stuff, he has himself in the sling and I'm like, yeah, that's a legitimate injury. I'm like, he, he could be really, really trying to sell it, but he has no reason to sell it outside of wrestling. So 
Sammy Guevara, the hero of the moment for the inner circle, uh, getting the Rudy send-off. Maybe this is the leap forward that they'll have with him, because when Jericho goes on tour with Fozzie, are they going to have Jake Hager kind of take the lead here? Are they going to have Sammy Guevara take the lead, or are they going to take the guys from Pride and Powerful and have them take the lead? I don't know. They're all going to join him on tour with Fozzie. All right. No, I don't think so. Uh, one last note that I would like to make about Double or Nothing, then we can move on to the next next subject. Um, a former WWE superstar who is also in the superstar. WWE Hall of Fame is now part of All Elite Wrestling. Stop me if you've heard that one before. But the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, debuted at AEW's Double or Nothing on Sunday. Thoughts? Mark Henry went about this whole thing the right way with Vince McMahon. He told Vince McMahon what he wanted because his contract was up. WWE was not ready to let Mark Henry do those things. Mark Henry said he's not the type of guy that likes to just sit there, rest on his laurels, or sit on his butt. So... He signed with AEW, and he is not going to be primarily an in-ring performer. He will get into the ring. His primary purpose is going to be doing stuff with talent behind the scenes. He's going to be a talent scout, and I think he is also going to be part of, like, uh, talent acquisition. I think he—I don't know if he's executive vice president, but he's definitely got a— high-up position that will allow him to sign talent and mentor talent. Good for Mark Henry, man. I, I've always been a fan of Mark Henry's. He was very, very, very underrated for what he was. And that story about him with the, the stainless steel um, uh, plate. plate or the uh, frying pan where he, he actually bent it, which is unbendable, was still one of my all-time favorite stories. Um, so good for Mark Henry. I think this is a great move for him. This is gonna. This is gonna really. He's really too talented to just be sitting backstage and doing nothing. Well, Tim, like Mark Henry is not going to be wrestling. So they're using Big Show and Mark Henry as folks to help people in the locker room. They're a name that will get AEW up higher th than mm -hmm. they were before. But they're not going to be primary in the ring. Mark Henry is going to be part of the Rampage show that starts soon. I know. It's I think soon. it's August. Yeah. I think it, uh, the Rampage show, it's an hour-long show. It's going to start in August. So I, I, I don't mind them signing him. The Senior Citizens Division, Big Show, Mark Henry, Sting, Christian, Chris Jericho, Chris Daniels, um... Who else? It's the only one I can think of off the top of my head like that. I mean, there's a lot of guys in their 40s. Well, I mean, you could say the same thing about WWE, but one of the edicts out right now from Vince McMahon is the people that they're recruiting. Matt Hardy. He wants them to be like six foot two, 220 pounds, and he wants them to be young. Because you've got uh, AJ Styles, who's in his mid-40s at this point, 
John Cena obviously near closer to the end of his career. Brock Lesnar closer to the end of his career. The Miz is forty. Randy Orton is forty. Um, even some of the new guys like Damian Priest. Damian Priest is like thirty eight. You know, um, I, I I think Roman Reigns is getting Roman Reigns is close to my age. Yeah, he's almost my. I mean, I think Seth Rollins is like thirty four, thirty five. So they still got a few years left in Seth. I still think they have a few more years of Roman Reigns. I mean, Cesaro is forty. Shinsuke Nakamura is 40, Sheamus is 43, Jeff Hardy's 40-something, MVP is fucking 50, Bobby Lashley's 44. Yeah, it's not, I think it's funny that they have to be 6'2", 220 pounds, because that means it's not Ricochet. Because Ricochet hits all the other things, because he's young. Because Ricochet's only going to be, I think he's only going to be like 32. And he's been there for a few years. Because he was, yeah, he was born in 1988. Yes, so he's, oh, I'm sorry, he's 33. Still, 33 is still on the right side of 40, and he's on the right side of my age. Uh, speaking of Ricochet, though, this week, uh, he and Humberto Carrillo both went against Sheamus on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Sheamus like actually WrestleMania sign. lost two matches, but in the second match... So, Outside interference and outside distraction were involved. I really dislike outside... Monday Night Raw, and actually wrestling in general this week, was the distraction roll-up week. That was was an an oldie but goodie that made a return. Mm -hmm. So we we had a lot of distraction roll-ups this week, and it happened to Sheamus twice on Monday. Uh, But in the second one, Sheamus took a knee to the face and broke his nose. And bled a gusher. And obviously they're setting up for some sort of triple threat here with Ricochet, Humberto Carrillo, and Sheamus for the U.S. title. I'm wondering if this is going to be for uh, Hell in a Cell. It feels like it should be Mm -hmm. at Hell in a Cell. Uh, It'll probably end up on the pre-show, sadly. Sheamus Mm -hmm. deserves better. Ricochet Ricochet deserves better. Uh, I don't... I mean, Humberto Carrillo's been on the main roster for a couple years, but I haven't seen enough character development in him. He he had a bit of time where they were doing some character stuff when he was with uh, Zelina, mm-hmm. but that kind of went by the wayside, but Carrillo killed Sheamus. I'm only wondering if there's going to be a receipt for that potato or, mm-hmm. there, or Sheamus is like, oh, all right, this stuff happens. Sheamus looked pretty badass with a, you know, yeah, finishing the match with a bloody nose. But and he was like, I don't plan on vacating, which led to WWE vacant. <laughs> Going, damn it! That is the funniest count on freaking Twitter. I don't care what anybody says. WWE vacant is the funniest shit. Yeah. He was like, hey, I just got a FedEx today in parts unknown, and it was the freaking the greatest Royal Rumble belt for Braun Strowman. I, I'm like, whoever this person is. They deserve to get paid for what they're doing, because this shit is fucking hysterical. Yeah. He's like, I am a 47-time NJWP or whatever the hell or whatever the hell it was type of thing. He's like, I have won this championship more than anybody else. Oh, <laughs> uh, goodness. You know, Mike, with Ricochet, I believe he peed in Vince McMahon's cereal at some point. I don't know why he wasn't released, seeing that they keep on just messing with him. They give him a little bit of a push or give him a little exposure on TV, and then they 
kick him back down to the bottom of the card. And they put him on main event, main eventing against Mustafa Ali for the 85th consecutive week. I mean, if they're doing another round of cuts, I could see Jeff Hardy getting cut. Oh, easily. I could see uh, Mustafa Ali getting cut. I could... Slapjack. I hate no, to say it. Slapjack's, no, yeah. no. Slapjack needs to stay. Uh, Slapjack has not been on TV. We go. did see Mason T-Bar this week, and they got a victory over Lucha House Party. Speaking of people who need to get released. And nothing against the talent of these people in the ring, just the way they've been booked has been so terrible that you're like, and, 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 and I, I have no vested interest in you. I have, look, I have, I'm not saying that I condone people losing their jobs. Because a lot of people this week, after all these releases happened on Wednesday, and this was something I really wanted to bring up, and it was almost going to get brought up at the end of the podcast. Uh, a lot of people were saying, I can't believe they got rid of Braun Strowman or Alistair Black or whoever it was, but Baron so. Corbin kept his job. And Baron Corbin came out and said, what the hell is wrong with you people? He goes, you're talking to, he's like, the fact that you guys are talking about somebody else losing their job over somebody else, he goes, that's stupid. He goes, why would you be rooting for somebody to lose their li- their livelihood it's just because you're a bitter wrestling fan. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, Baron, I almost bought his shirt. Spot on. I, I, you know, and I get it. A lot of people don't like Baron Corbin. But the fact is, the people don't like Baron Corbin because he's doing his job right. He's gotten better on the microphone. He's not terrible in the ring. I actually enjoy Baron Corbin. He's got one of the baddest freaking entrance songs in all of WWE. He's, that song's going to be in that 64, by the way. Yeah. But I, I just... I, I 100% agree with Baron Corbin and what he said, and I think that Baron Corbin was in the right for saying what he did and, and power to him. I, I literally almost bought his shirt. I was actually looking, and I was like, I actually kind of like it. But we'll see. Right. Got to wait for that buy one, get one again. Right. Because the only thing that's good about WWE is their shop. Come SummerSlam, I'm sure your buy one, get one will happen again. Yeah, probably. Or Money in the Bank, if that ever happens again. Right. Should have happened by now. Anyway, so... Yeah! Yeah. As far as WWE programming on TV this week, they, they, they had a few things of note, I would say, that happened. We officially will get Drew McIntyre versus Lashley at Kofi, Hell in a Cell. Kofi Kingston and Drew McIntyre had a banger on Raw. They had a hell of a match. And I want to say this was the second week in a row... If I remember correctly, they had that the two of them had great matches against each other, and the two of them have worked uh, with each other previously during Drew's initial run because you know obviously Kofi Kingston was part of that Intercontinental Title picture where Drew was, so they've wrestled each other before, and they actually had back to back great wrestling sure. matches. So, I mean, kudos to Kofi Kingston for still being able to go out there and perform when everybody always like there's certain people out there that are like oh he had such a terrible run as WWE I actually enjoyed his WWE title run it ended terribly but I thought he was he was yeah he was believable as WWE champion I enjoyed him as WWE champion I like to see him get the title again uh one match that I don't think anybody really wanted to see but we got was Reginald versus Shayna Baszler now it is in part helping to lead to the breakup of Nia Jax and Shayna because uh-huh. after the match, after Reginald won, Nia was like, yay, with Reginald yeah, know, in the I back. I was like, I'll tell you right now, Reginald looked good. I know he was fighting Shayna Baszler, but 
that circuit circus is going to transition to him being with Ricochet main eventing main event at some point. He didn't look he didn't look terrible in the ring though. But I will say this his victory over Shayna Baszler is definitely Nicole's brainless for this week. (laughs) She was pissed. She's like, This is so stupid that they're doing this match. She's like, I hope Shayna Baszler destroys him. And I was like, Hey, by the way, Reginald beat Shayna Baszler. She's like, Are you serious? (laughs) She was pissed. We'll go from that to one of my favorite moments of the week. Randy Orton went against Xavier Woods in a match. They had a moment earlier in the show where Matt Riddle apologized to Randy Orton for using the RKO to finish off his match last week. Mm -hmm. This week, Randy Orton took Riddle's finishing maneuver and used that to, to get the pin on Xavier Woods, but... Matt Riddle's reaction was the thing that was the best thing about this. He was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, he used my move, he used my move. That, that, that was like the feeling you got from it. I, I thought it was great. I, I, I loved it. I, I loved that whole, the, 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 it's, they're killing it. And this, this was something, I, <laughs> this is what I wanted to bring up since you brought it up. So, so WWE had, had posted, are you serious, bro? Randy Orton just used Super King of Bros, Bro Derek, for the win against Austin, you know, against Xavier, Xavier Woods. Woods on WWE uh, Raw. And Randy Orton goes, never said Super King of Bros Arsenal wasn't effective. They all just have stupid, stupid names. Stupid. I love Randy Orton. Yep. Randy Orton is a goat. He is. I, I enjoyed that. And I, and I am loving that pairing. They are killing it. I like to see the two of them actually you know win the tag team titles at some point we'll Uh, see how they develop this uh one more thing i wanted to bring up since we did talk about aew releases and all that stuff somebody who was released recently andrade made his debut last night on uh aew dynamite friday 10 o'clock friday night past past jim ross's bedtime 10 o'clock right um, Andrade El Idulo, whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, I, I can't get the pronu- I just don't know the accents very well in Spanish. But Mark Henry was out there with Tony Schiavone doing an interview. And Vicky Guerrero comes out in her very, very Vicky Guerrero way, shouting into the microphone and talking about how she's got this great talent coming in. And introduces Andrade El Dolo. And one thing from this segment specifically, Andrade has gotten much better at speaking English. He was able to pronounce things. He was able to just get things out. And that was one thing that held him back in WWE. He needed a mouthpiece because... You know, he, he was working on his English, but, you know, you have to be able to communicate with the fans. If yeah. you can't communicate with them, they don't know your character. They don't know where you come from. They don't know anything about you. So the fact that he has clearly worked on getting better at speaking English so he can communicate on his own, good on him. He sounded great, and, mm-hmm. and I love just the confidence that he came out there with. 
in the way that they sold him as like, hey, he's been a champion around the world, everywhere he's been. They didn't specifically mention WWE, but they talked CMLL. Uh, I think they said New Japan, IWGP, mm -hmm. Intercontinental Champion. So it was a great introduction yep. for him. I hope that this doesn't go the route of what they've done with other big signings where they immediately put them in the title match and then have them meandering for the next oh, so basically, six months. So Andrade will basically win his first three matches against local competitors. And Marco Stunt. And he'll beat Marco Stunt. Probably beat QT Marshall in the process, and then he'll get a shot at Kenny Omega's title to lose. Okay. Possibly. And, and, Tim, and Timmy, I just wanted to mention this part. Jay, you are like Jim Ross today from the WWE video press conference. Keeping drunk Ric Flair from going off the rails is what you're trying to do. Keeping the brainless one on track today. Laugh out loud. Let's circle back. <laughs> oh, Timmy. All I'm going to say is, for 224 episodes, it's just Jay trying to wrangle the brainless one back onto the topic at hand and not go completely off the rails because nobody branches out like the brainless one. <laughs> yep. Move along. <laughs> Moving along, it looks like we're going to get... And there's a reason I wore this shirt today. It looks like we're going to get the breakup of Elias and Jackson Riker, which makes me believe that maybe Jackson Riker also is very short for WWE. Well, when they split up on Monday and they were talking about the releases, I said, oh yeah, Jackson Riker's going to be on that list today. I can just feel it. They're not even going to have the culmination, because why would WWE have the culmination? But I feel Jackson Riker will be probably on that next list. I think they want bigger things for, for Elias. Elias. I hope so. And he's kind of been meandering since he got back from injury. I've enjoyed the pairing that they've done with he and Riker. They had a couple of victories here and there. Overall, I prefer Elias on his own. Same. I preferred when he went out there with his guitar freestyled and made fun of people. What we need is one of those pay-per-views where we have both Raw and SmackDown on, and he goes out there to do a concert, and then Rick Boogs interrupts him with his guitar, and then they have a guitar off. That's what I want. But, or they have a duet with Nakamura. He'll gut the ear. They could. I'm glad to see Andrade getting back to flying solo. He deserved more in his runs before. Mm -hmm. Sometimes injuries caught up with him, and sometimes Vince McMahon did. I hope Vince gets out of the way and just lets this dude get over. I mean, Mick Foley said when he was in the ring with him, he was like, you could tell there's a magnetism to this man when he's in the ring, and people grasp onto him whether they love him or hate him. Vince McMahon needs to do the right thing and have this guy featured. So, I hope they do that. Uh, basically, uh, Eric Bugenhagen, I think it was his name down in NXT, was a, was a character who was dancing and doing all that stuff, who WWE has brought up to the main roster as Rick Boogs. I don't even remember if that's even how you spell it. I, the hell yeah, I it? think it's B-O-O-G-E-S. Something like that. Something. 
I don't even think that the Rick is even spelled right, but that's that's WWE's stupid name name thing that they come up with with the manatees in the tank. But basically, they gave Rick Boogs to Shinsuke Naka Nakata not going to be relevant anymore. Um, on SmackDown, Sad. he's he's now playing the guitar for Nakamura. As I think the guy who was playing the guitar for him was released about a week ago, <laughs> or two weeks ago, something like that. Sad. But um, he was a guy that was on NXT. He was Eric Bugenhagen or Budenhagen or whatever it is. Or Nobody's uh, going to remember that name. Yeah. So. I hope they don't do that to him. I hope they don't replace Elias with Rick Bogues. Oh, they're not going to get rid of Elias. There's He's got too many people who like him in that company, specifically guys like John Cena who are fans of Elias. Because technically... Before WrestleMania 36, the original plan was John Cena was supposed to work with Elias. He wanted to walk with Elias. He wanted to walk. He actually wanted to work and finish off that whole thing with Elias and put Elias over at WrestleMania 36. Instead, we got the Fiend and uh, John Cena in the Firefly Funhouse. One of your favorite matches. One of my favorite matches of all time, let alone just that WrestleMania. And obviously, Elias went over on Bobby Lashley last year, and now we see what Bobby Lashley's doing. I think that I think that we're going to end up getting an Elias something. Because even Bobby Lashley said that Elias is a main event caliber guy, so there's guys that support Elias. I don't, I, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon unless he cracked like Stephanie in the head with a guitar, right backstage because he was mad at her. That's the only way I could see it. Uh, and one other thing I want to know is, uh, Drew McIntyre when he finished off Kofi Kingston in the match, Kingston was going for like high cross body off the ropes. And Ada Claymore. Yeah. That I was a cool was awesome. way of finishing that match off. Interesting way to get the Claymore in there that wasn't a way you've seen before. Yeah. It was a good match. I, I enjoyed the two of them on Monday. And uh, that, that was mostly Monday Night Raw there. SmackDown, one thing on SmackDown I wanted to bring up, I mean, other than the fact that Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman should get nominated for a, an Emmy every single week that they're out there. They had a backstage segment with the Street Profits and Otis. And, you know, they were talking, you know, the Street Profits were, were talking shit about Chad Gable and told Otis that he should do his own thing. And last night was the first time that we didn't see animated meat, meat uh, what is it, meat shield? Is that what Jeff says? Oh, uh, yeah. Meat shield, uh, Otis. And we got kind of like a normal, because like, you know, like, you know how he's so animated and he doesn't even make sense of the words. Like, he was very well-spoken, like, you guys have a problem with, and I'm like, yo, I'm like, this isn't Otis. But he did take out the Street Profits backstage and he looked convincing. I 100%, this, this heel turn for Otis was fantastic. He absolutely killed it. And the most important thing about this heel turn, which is going to get him a lot of consideration at the end of the year from me, he doesn't do that stupid caterpillar anymore. Yes. That was the dumbest finisher in WWE. It's fine to have a move like that to yeah. like get the crowd hyped up, but to have that as your finisher, that, that was just... It, it was dumber than the five-knuckle shuffle. It's dumber than the people's elbow. It's dumber than the worm. It's just, it was terrible. I'm sorry. It's right. not, you can't be considered, you can't be taken seriously if your finishing move is called the Caterpillar. Right. 
that, but his splash from that second rope is yeah. devastating. It looks, he makes it look really good, and that was a hell of a call by him. I think he has a chance because he's one of those guys that could have been on the cusp of like maybe they could get rid of him. Right. I, I think that now that, especially now that Braun Strowman is gone, they have a void where they need kind of like this big meathead to kind of just be the big meathead of the, of the, of the roster. And Otis could fill that spot, and he's cheaper than, than Braun Strowman. And obviously Vince must have some kind of like strong, strong opinion about Otis because he wouldn't have won the Money in the Bank like he did last year. He wouldn't have gotten the girl after WrestleMania like he did last year. He wouldn't be getting a lot of TV time like he does. So I'm sorry, Otis ain't going anywhere. And if he does, I will definitely boycott WWE. Mike asking about Bray. We will we see Bray Wyatt anytime soon? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I'm throwing this out there. We have seen the last days of his current contract with WWE. I don't think we're going to see him on TV for a while. Uh, if we see him, we might see him with another company. When he came for WrestleMania, he was out of shape, not ready to go, and still mentally dealing with the death of one of his good friends, Brody Lee, John Huber. Yeah. And, and I, I just feel like it's it's we're, we're not going to see him for a while and he 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 needs to be well before he returns to the ring because it, it ain't ballet what they're doing and people have gotten badly injured and killed in the ring if you're not in your right mind and you know you're just a little bit off that could mean the whole difference in a whole bunch of things so i don't that's just my opinion i don't think we're going to see bray for a while. I, I think that we didn't realize when we were going every single month, every single pay-per-view, oh, this is going to be the one where Bray Wyatt finally makes the return after he was extra crispy by Randy Orton. And then he finally came back at, I think it was Hell in a Cell? No, no, no. It was uh, Hell in a uh, Cell's this month. Uh, Elimination Chamber. When him and Alexa Bliss had their, uh, Randy and Alexa Bliss had their match and everything, when he came back, and then he came back at WrestleMania, and now he's gone again. I think give it a couple more months, and I think we might see Bray Wyatt again, but it's going to be interesting. I, I'm at the point where it could either, we're either going to get him again, or he's gone, obviously. I mean, that's that was the most Chris Collinsworth thing I could have said right there. Right. Uh, Tim's saying he is not a big fan of the Samoan Spike. Uh currently used right now by Commander Aziz as the Nigerian nail. I was always a fan of the spike. I like the idea. I loved like, it when, when Umaga had it. It was, I loved it. It was one of my favorite finishers. Commander Aziz, I don't know. I'm still, the verdict's still out on him for me. I, I don't think. I don't all right. Know. I just, uh, he, he's, he's still very clunky. He really needs a lot of work. He's very green. Right. But Apollo Crews, on the other hand, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Apollo Crews now. He finally developed a personality. <laughs> he probably always had one, yeah. but just wasn't allowed to showcase it. Back in the day, they always talked about how Brad Armstrong, if you saw Brad Armstrong in the locker room, he would have been more over than Hulk Hogan ever was. But either he wasn't given the time or just wasn't able to project that. Right. Clearly wasn't able to project that right. in the wrestling ring. And that's all I got to say about that. I, I, another thing about SmackDown last night is that we had not one but two tag team title matches between the Mysterios and the Usos. They made it a point last night 
two things that they made it a point last night of. Number one, they mentioned the fact that this was the first time in the Usos' career, who have been in the WWE for well over a decade now, that was the first time they ever got in the ring with Rey Mysterio. Interesting. And Rey Mysterio has been a long-standing veteran. He was with WWE in his, their first, in, early on in their run. He's now back. So the fact that they got to work with Rey Mysterio, I know that probably meant a lot to them because like Rey Mysterio... For whatever, for what it's worth, Rey Mysterio is, in my opinion, the greatest luchador of all time, and he he's a legend. And getting to work with him must have been something for the Usos. The other thing that they did a lot last night was they tried to shove Dominic as a serious, legitimate contender down our throats. Oh, this is a, this is a battle between two of the most established tag teams. Really, really. They kept doing that last night because they did it at the beginning of the first match, and then they tried doing it again at the beginning of the second match, and they were trying to talk up Dominic like he's been there for like six, seven years, is a multiple-time champion, has won titles on his own, and is an established person. I just, I'm sorry, I don't see it. He is still way too green for me. They should have sold it. Family against family. Agreed. Roman Reigns is tribal chief. Jimmy's trying to take Jay towards this end. The Mysterios are a family. It should have been, hey, better wrestling family. To and that was something they did bring that up in the second match. They were talking to like two of the most iconic families in in WWE, and I said, okay, that's I get better. It. I get like I get that one because it's like the Usos are part of the Samoan. Heritage where everybody but Samoa Joe is part of that family lineage, but it's like I don't see the Mysterios because it's only been Ray and his son Dominic, and Dominic's only been wrestling for not even a year yet. Granted, Ray is an established commodity, and Ray has done everything he could, but that was it. It's just Ray and Dominic. Now, if you and, want to talk and about Dominic, is a third generation star. Now, they're they're. It would be Ray's uncle. Yeah, who you was know, back, did was... never. Was uh, in WWF, yeah, back in the day. Um, so not in WWF specifically or WWE specifically, but <laughs> overall, family versus family. Two of the, you know, if they brought they they brought the hearts in for Survivor Series, even though Brett and Owen were really the only ones that did Stu anything. And, Stu and Keith. And they had, uh, I think it was uh, Bruce Hart was there for... No, that's Stu and Keith. Bruce and Keith were in the match with Brett and Owen. In fact, Owen was the only one that got, if I remember correctly, yeah, Owen was the only got, one that got eliminated. Yeah. And he blamed it on Brett. He did, and that led to their... Uh, Technically, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say that there. led to Royal Rumble... Mm-hmm. Where they had the tag team match, Brett couldn't finish, but then Brett ended up winning. That's when that's when Owen kicked him from underneath the legs. Yes. Is that one was that the one that set him off for WrestleMania ten? It was. Where they had one of the greatest opening matches, if not the greatest opening match of WrestleMania history? Yes. And what is probably one of the most underrated WrestleManias of all time? Right. And 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 Timmy brought up a good point. Like Dominic is actually a seasoned veteran in WWE because he's been there since he was eleven. Because he was part of the, I mean, technically he was part of one of those storylines back in the 2000s where his dad and Rey Mysterio were fighting for the custody of him. Well, he was, I think it was more geared towards Aaliyah, but when CM Punk went against Rey Mysterio, Mm -hmm. 
Mysterio's family was brought into it. Yeah. So, again, they should have done family versus family and, you know, taking your heritage and make which one's better. They could have they could have pitched it as the first father and son tag team going up against the, uh, arguably the best brother tag team in WWE history. I would have been more okay with that. It just seemed like they were trying to talk up Dominic better than what he really is. And I 100% agree with Mike on that one. He should have went straight to NXT. Him going to the main roster was not a smart move. I will say this, though. He's got one hell of a resume going right now in his first year. He's already fought Seth Rollins multiple times. He had good matches with Buddy Murphy. He he basically had a program with Roman Reigns. He was in the ring with Roman Reigns last night. He fought arguably the best tag team of the last decade in WWE. He's Dominic has got himself a nice resume for that first year, considering the fact he's not very good for a first year wrestler. I I'm, I think he's passable in the ring. We we we've seen WWE heavyweight champions that have been less. Oh, what do you mean, like the Great Khali? Uh, yes, less adept at being in the ring. So I think Dominic's perfectly passable. I think they specifically fast forwarded Dominic because they knew they weren't going to have fans. If there were fans there, the fans probably would have crapped all over him. So they said, let's get him in there with the seasoned talent. Let's see what he could do against them and with them. Mm -hmm. And then when the fans return, he'll have already gone against people. Right. Top-level talent. And he'll be more ready than if he went to NXT and went to the PC. that's, That's my belief. I understand completely why WWE did it. Yes, he's still green. He's still rough around the edges. He'll get there. He's trying... The thing is, he's trying to do a lot of the moves his dad does, but because he's taller, he he just doesn't have the dexterity that Ray does. There's some moves that he does that are like, all right, you're you're almost as good as your dad. I mean, your dad pulls him off better than just about anybody in the business. But, like, even, like, his... His, his slide from outside, you know, to the outside of the ring and it turns into the flip, that's that's damn impressive. I don't care who you are. That's still impressive. His his 619 is very, it's it, it, the the the, uh, the delivery on the 619 that he delivers is not very good because he looks like he's trying to run across the ropes to hit the dude with the 619. I, I'm just not a fan of it. It's a lot of his moves. And I actually last night, like watching him, when he scored the pinfall, it was very, very clunky between him and Jay Uso. Now, if he was going up against Jimmy, because Jimmy's been out of action for over a year and it looked like shit, I would have given them a pass. But the fact that Jay Uso's been going out there and busting his ass, and Jay Uso is a hell of a worker in the ring, it didn't look good. It was very clunky, and I, I just, I, I, explo- I, I, I see stuff like this, and I point it out, and it just bothers me. And I think it's because of the fact that I've just been watching for so long that I expect. Basically, Kurt Henning, and I'm getting uh, Axel Rotten. He's better than Axel Rotten. Come on. Come on! But I was talking about perfect. I need something. He's less than perfect. He's not Curtis Axel. Because Curtis Axel's an FM Marks Hall of Famer. Curtis Axel's still alive in the 2015 He's better than perfect. And Timmy, do me a favor. Text your brother and say, hey, just to let you know... Curtis Axel's still alive in the 2015 Royal Rumble. Unlike Hornswoggle. All right. So, 
SmackDown, we had Apollo Crews go against Kevin Owens. Crews ends up going over in this match, but Owens gets attacked by Sami Zayn at the end. Uh, I love Sami yelling at Kevin Owens about, this isn't me beating you up, this is karma. It, it was great. Now, they have Hell in a Cell coming up, in my view. Based off all the years and everything going on, you know what? I think... Owens and Zayn should be in the cell. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not going to be because this is not one of the top tier feuds. But in my view, if you're talking about longness of, like, storyline, I mean, technically speaking, you could say that this is a 20-year storyline, and you end in a blood feud in Hell in a Cell. Now, they're not going to do that, no. but I wish they would. Never say never, though. I wish they, they would. They, they won't, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for them to actually have it. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, this is Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and they've done everything else. So, uh, By the way, Timmy wants me to do a 619 as my next brainless challenge. I don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see that. And if I do it shitty, that doesn't make me. That doesn't make it any better for Dominic because he looks it makes it look shitty. His dad's been delivering 619 since he was, before he was 6-1 or 9. And it's like, I'm, I'm a fat, out of shape wrestling fan who's almost sweat 40. hog i'm almost 40 with with a bad knee and, and a bad back yeah yeah i still want to do total brainless annihilation <laughs> oh never say never right now uh, we had carmella defeating Liv morgan poor Liv morgan man she's the last one left of the riot squad she is because Sarah Logan was released, and she's about to have a kid. Um, and Ruby Riot got released, and God damn it, no again, one... that that that's yeah. just sad. I think obviously I... they, with Morgan's younger, and they see a bigger upside with her. She's gotten a lot better in the ring. She's one of those ones that I because, you know, she you... has. But I'm you not... had somebody who I thought was a very good, refined performer. But didn't need a whole bunch of work. You let her go. She had a couple injuries. They happen. If it came down to injuries and you releasing people, I mean, they should have tri released Triple H. 20 years ago. So. They would have released, well, they did release Ray Mysterio. They would have released Randy Orton. They would have released John Cena. The Undertaker. Kane! Mick Foley. Well, they kind of did. But. Well, you, you know, Tim, if Vince McMahon hates tattoos, they should have released The Undertaker. And Randy Orton. I mean, Randy Orton's only, what, a 14-time world champion? So... And The Undertaker's only the greatest gimmick of all time? I, I think when it comes to that, I think Vince McMahon selectively hates people with tattoos. CM I'll Punk. just go with yeah. that. Well, CM Punk's kind of an asshole. Right. And CM Punk was the person who was very full. I, I love CM Punk, but at the end of the day, CM Punk was his own worst enemy. Uh, one thing I did find, the the as far as SmackDown goes, that I loved with Roman Reigns, how he's like, going, all right, I'll accept the fact that you guys are having a title match, but don't disappoint me. You know, don't embarrass the family. That second match that they had at the end of the evening. So the first match between Mysterios and the Usos ended with controversy where they, they said... Jay Uso's shoulder was clear as day up 
and they just like Hulk Hogan's yeah. when he went against Andre the Giant. Yep. Uh, but Saturday night main event, right? It, well, it was just main event. It yeah. was actually on Friday night. Friday night. Uh, so, actually, one little caveat to that story. There has been a thing trending out there. It's hashtag make it official. Ted DiBiase's title reign as WWF champion. Ted DiBiase, after Andre the Giant defeated Hulk Hogan on main event in February of 1988, Ted DiBiase hired Andre the Giant to win the title for him. Andre immediately gave the title to DiBiase after. DiBiase on house shows defended the title against Bam Bam Bigelow a handful of times until uh, President Jack Tunney made a ruling to have the tournament for WrestleMania 4. And it is not officially in any WWE record book. But Hell, I was it's my... been trending now that Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase even tweeted it out. Yeah, let's make it official. I defended the title. I you, held the title. You know who the one person who's who's been who's been against this whole thing about DiBiase's title reign being official? The biggest person against it who is actually getting his own little uh he's actually getting petitions to have it be not recognized as an official title reign is Virgil. <laughs> Virgil's been getting people at his autograph sessions to sign his petition to make sure Ted DiBiase's WWF title reign will never become official. But I want it to be official. And speaking of Ted DiBiase, he made an appearance this week on NXT. And not during a Cameron Grimes match, no. Ted DiBiase came out when LA Knight, who was coming out and talking all this stuff that he's talking, that DiBiase should be coming after him because he's rich and he's talented and all this stuff, and he should be the million-dollar champion. DiBiase came out. Uh, LA Knight was fighting uh, t- uh, Atlas, uh, Jake Atlas at the time. Um, it looked like he got distracted, and Jake Atlas went over on uh, L.A. Knight. Cameron, Cameron Grimes, Grimes did came come out and was part of the reason why he ended up losing the match. But I'm going to say this. What the fuck is NXT doing to, to uh, Eli Drake? Are you kidding me? Like, Eli Drake won his first two matches in NXT, and now he can't buy a match to save his life. And it, it's bothersome. Because the dude is really good in the ring. The dude is really good in the microphone. The guy has a chance to be a star for NXT. I have a, I have a you know, Big C has been so against Eli Drake going to NXT since Eli Drake, you know, since uh, AE, or, uh, NWA's last show that they did, and then he finds out that he's LA Knight. You would have thought that, you know, somebody shot the Eagles. The way he's been he's been treating it. But I agree with them. It's terrible. The name is terrible. The way they're booking him is terrible. I am just shittering off the pot with Eli Drake. I like to see him. Honestly, I like to see him get released. I really would. Because he could go back to NWA and actually do something as opposed to being an NXT losing to guys like Jake Atlas. You know, I'm going to take the wait and see approach. So far, it's been terrible. They made an investment in him. I I like to believe Triple H has a better handle on the pulse of the wrestling community, knows who Eli Drake is, didn't just sign him to to keep him away from somebody else. Right. He sees something in him that will draw the company money. 
I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach, specifically in this case, and hopefully they write the damn ship. You all right there, brainless one? Yeah, I see it. I see it. <sighs> see, we tell them that Hornswoggle has not been in it longer. And Hornswoggle is not in the FM Marks Hall of Fame, and Curtis Axel is where he belongs. As right. the first ever inductee in the Epic Marks Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> With Sean O. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, uh, finishing up on SmackDown for, for, for the show, Usos versus uh, Ray and Dominic the second time through. Mysterios were getting ready to go over. And Roman Reigns needed to stop that, to stop Jimmy and Jay from embarrassing the family. Roman inserts himself in, Superman punch, spear. If this leads to Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, I would, you know, head of the table versus head of the table. Again, the thing that the SmackDown announcers should have focused on a little bit more. You know, I think what they'll do... Mm-hmm is Roman Reigns beats the hell out of Dominic, similar to what had ha- happened uh, with uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, uh, the, the Dirty Dogs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where, you know, divide and conquer, but you sit there and get Roman Reigns to beat the holy hell out of Dominic Mysterio. Maybe throw off the top of Titan Tower. We know that, you know, his father survived that drop. No doubt Dominic could survive that drop. Alistair Black succumbed to it a year later. <laughs> oh, poor Alistair. And then we get Rey Mysterio versus Roman Reigns down the line. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Me too. Uh, and the other thing of note, it's official. Bianca Belair versus Bailey at Hell in the Cell. They have not announced which matches are going to be in the Cell specifically. I think this one has an opportunity to be one of them. You know, I, I I think it's almost like a coin toss between that and the Charlotte and Rhea Ripley one. Was there anything scarier than last night where all the TVs in the Thunderdome were Bailey? That 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 was like a I, I was living a nightmare watching SmackDown at that point during that segment last night. Can you imagine if she was at a grocery store asking for the manager? <laughs> hey. Yeah. I remember when the Gorillas did a song like that. Feel Good Zinc, I think it was the name of the song. Right. Windmill, windmill, father time. Never mind. I'm going to stop. Thank that you. Song. I appreciate that. I have a tremendous singing voice. You know who else does? Timmy does. Timmy has a great singing voice. Uh, so on NXT this week, outside of uh, what you mentioned, we are heading towards a takeover in your house. We're going to get Ember Moon versus Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT women's title. After the breakup uh, with her and Shotzi Blackheart, you, you kind of had, well, they didn't really break up, I guess, per se, but once they lost the tag team titles, it was clear they didn't have anybody on, on the face side to face Raquel Gonzalez. They needed to figure something right. out. All right, Ember Moon was near the top. 
Uh, she was an NXT Women's Champion before. Have her in the match. Yeah. Yeah. Timmy's good, though, Jay. Tim is great singing. You hear him sing Bob Dylan, it sounds like a bird. Jay, I'll do a minute. It sounded like a freaking dying Tyrannosaurus Rex when I was singing karaoke on El Jefe's birthday this uh, earlier this year. You, you were much better when you were doing rap. I'm always better when I do rap. Rap and Robo. Yo, yo, yo. Robo. Don't you get it mixed up. Robo. <laughs> so... But Ember Moon will be going against Raquel Gonzalez soon. Well, John McEnroe, you're at <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's going to be a good match, too. Um, one of the things also from NXT this week was we had a, to start off the show, a triple threat match between Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, and the GOAT himself, Johnny Gargano. Land, 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 land. Uh, hell of a match that was going on. And then Adam Cole got involved with a bunch of chairs and started beating the shit out of the three guys. I love that whole little segment. I love the fact that Adam Cole went in there and he attacked all three guys because he's like, hey, I'm still Adam Cole and this is still my fucking show. I don't care what Karrion Cross said. And then, you know, they go back, you know, and they're showing them in the locker room and they're like, well, what the hell's going to happen now because the three guys who were supposed to fight are all taken out with chairs and all that stuff. And uh, Oni Lurkin comes out and he starts talking like, hey, man, he goes, get out of here. He goes, don't look at what Pete Dunne is, happened to Pete Dunne and all that stuff. And... It's bad at what, what happened to Pete Dunn and everything. And then freaking Austin Theory comes over and says, well, what do you mean Pete Dunn? What about Johnny Gargano? Which led to Oni Lorcan and, and, and Austin Theory actually starting to like, get into a shoving match. Um, um, so I, I just like that little caveat because like you, you had the uncertainty behind the title match and then there's two different factions back there making sure their guys are all right, which led to them freaking coming to blows and everything and then adam cole comes out there cuts a promo carrying cross comes out he comes he cuts a promo calls adam cole a gas station weasel and tells he told regal to shut up which i thought was like wow and my only one problem with this whole thing too many guys in one match johnny gargano was just, just lost, lost the, American title. the secondary title. Why is he having an opportunity at the primary title? WWE, NXT, not so much, not as much, likes to do this. If you lost the secondary title, you should not be in line to get a greater prize. Right. I love Johnny Gargano, Same. but if... You're trying to have me suspend my disbelief by watching, you know, folks in the ring do their art th through physicality, but you, you just told me mm -hmm. this guy is not as good as this other guy because mm -hmm. he lost. Nah. I, I, I hate when they do that. Same. That is the only problem with this, but I know these guys are going to put on an incredible match. Like, how do you book a five-way? Like... Does it become like a two one-on-one -on -one matches and you beat the crap out of one guy and have yeah. them be dead for the next five minutes? And that and the people who are against Karrion Cross as champion, it's like, dude, he's a great worker. He's a great guy on the mic. He has a great valet. He's, he's just, he is a five-tool guy. And people just don't like Karrion Cross for whatever reason, and I don't see it. He's got the look. He's got the charisma. He, he, he's a good talker. He can wrestle. I'm sorry. I don't I don't understand why people are against Karrion Cross. I thought 
they got the better of the two when it was between him and Lance Archer's the two big free agents out there. Sure. And he's he's been he's been unbelievable and Lance Archer's been kind of drizzle shits, which has happened to be in the, the theme for today, for whatever reason. Right. All right, so we also had a tag team championship match between MSK and Lugato del Fantasma. So Fantasma ended up earning this shot. Uh, I, I forget if it was last week or the week before, <laughs> but we ended up getting uh, this match, and, and it was a pleasure to watch. We had uh, Santos Escobar trying to help out uh, his cohorts to no avail. MSK uh, keeps the titles, deserves to keep the titles, and... Which led to them having a little interaction at the end because, uh, like you said, Santos Escobar got involved, so... Um, Bronson Reed got involved in that, so I think we're going to be seeing a Teddy Long special where we got a six-man tag match play, huh? Or we might see Bronson Reed going against Santos Escobar. Which would make all or... the sense in the world because he, wait, didn't he just lose the Cruiserweight Championship? Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I was thinking that too because I was like, wait a minute, I'm like, so not only is Johnny Gargano wait. in the NXT title match after just losing the North American Championship about a week or two ago, but now... You're going to have Santos Escobar fighting for the North American Championship after he lost the lesser of the two titles about a month ago to Kushida. Well, WWE logic rolling in. So, <sighs> good time. So, that, that, that was basically the big things that happened on NXT. Uh, a couple of things of note on AEW this week. Again, we mentioned it before. Jake Hager versus Wardlow in an MMA-style fight two weeks from today. Or two weeks from now. Uh, we ended up having the Young Bucks go against the Death Triangle pack in Pentagon Jr. But as you said before, the Bucks ended up pinning the bastard pack in this match. And keeping their titles. So... Uh, bu -bu 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 -bu. Oh, you know what? One thing that I forgot to mention about... Uh, actually, it's right here. Uh, Christian Cage and Jungle Boy going against Private Party. So, they defeat Private Party. Just to, you know, for, for fans of our age. Matt Hardy gave a twist of fate to Christian. Hey, Who would have thought that in 2021, 21, Matt Hardy would be hitting Christian with a... Uh, a tornado. A twist, a twist of fate. After Edge was in the main event of WrestleMania for the WWE Champion, or the Universal Championship. But it was just a cool little moment yeah. where you're like, going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I... If they have a match or two, great. I don't want it to be a protracted thing. Let guys like that go against the younger guys to bring them up. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't need to see two older guys wrestle. They've already established themselves. They don't need to be established anymore. I, I would like to see Matt Hardy versus Christian just because nostalgia. Sure. Plus, I but, want to see if 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 Matt Hardy can still slam a tornado. Sure. Uh, and, and we touched on everything else, really, that happened. Okay. Well, uh, th there was a celebration of Britt Baker that was interrupted by Nyla Rose, so I'm kind of, I, I, 
Who's the heel? Nyla Rose ended up like, uh, they, they they had a bunch of I think like cheeseburgers there set up. Are you really for uh, for the celebration? And Nyla Rose just starts throwing cheeseburgers at everybody. And Cassius O'Neill was catching them all. Uh, yes, he was. Which is funny you say that too, because Britt Baker posted yesterday <laughs> that McDonald's sent her a I think it was a bunch of coupons for like it was either 150 or 1500 free Big Macs. Because I guess she's a fan of the Big Mac. Hey. Uh, and, and, and another somewhat related story. I actually had McDonald's yesterday. <laughs> the McDon- I found out that McDonald's where I work is like the best McDonald's on the, on the in the United States or the country or the world or sure. something like that. So I was like, okay, it is, and it is a really really good McDonald's. <laughs> Tim's referring to that as the Marty Janetti match. You're taking the secondary, Matt Hardy, versus the secondary, Christian. And while you're at it, let's see if we can get Devon Dudley out of retirement. And Oh, no, I can't do that. He, I, mean, he, I have too much respect for Devon to say that he's part of that. I have too much respect for Christian to say that with him, too. Neither one of those guys is Marty Jannetty. Right. So, sorry. I'm on my so, uh, yeah, Nyla Rose uh, throwing around the, the cheeseburgers and popping balloons, so... Britt Baker, who's been doing all these dastardly things for all these months, is she suddenly a face, and now Nyla is the heel in this? That's what it seems like they're doing. Uh, I, Britt Baker should continue to do her bitchy best, like she's doing right now. Frank Ric Flair needs steering shit. <laughs> so, woo! That's why I gotta say that. I don't. I personally, I, I could give two shits whenever Nyla Rose is on the TV. And the fact that she's gonna be the next one up, it looks like. I don't know if Hikaru Shida gets her rematch. I don't know if AEW still does like the automatic rematches. So, but I really don't need to see Nyla Rose on television. I don't need to see Nia Jax either. In fact, I like to see them both in a match where the loser both, or the loser ends up out of professional wrestling, and the winner and, ends and, up out out and, of professional and they both wrestling, lose. and they both lose. Because I come in there with a chair. So, that was everything this week. So it's time for... An awful lot. Yeah. we. It's amazing how much shit has actually, like, the releases was one thing, and then Mark Henry and Andrade being on AEW this week, and the fact that NXT has the five-way title match getting set up for In Your House, which I'm surprised that they're calling it In Your House because they're not giving away a house, like the first ever In Your House. Did you, did you apply for that when you were a kid? I did not. I did. <laughs> I did not win. Um, I think if they turn Britt Baker face that she should be on her own. I don't think they should turn her face anytime soon, no. personally. No. She just, in, my, in the last few months, has gotten good at being a heel. There's no reason to turn her back face. That, I mean, unless... Big shows behind the scenes booking this crap. Then there's Poor no Vince need McMahon. to. Well, now too the big show is an AEW, not Vince McMahon. Yeah, but Big Show only turned face and heel because that's what Vince McMahon wanted him to do. But I will say this: another thing that could go in favor of her getting another face turn is this, the person with the second most face and heel turns in WWE history. Also, that worked for AEW. <laughs> Kane's not there. Big uh, Mark Henry. Mark Henry's had more face and heel turns. I don't know about that. 
It's it, it, they're they're the three big ones. Kane, Big Show, and and Mark Henry are the three most. And Randy Orton's fourth. <laughs> and Triple H is. One, to be fair with Randy Orton, I don't think he turns face or heel. He's, he's just, just Randy always Orton. Randy Orton, and Randy it Orton. depends on whether the crowd's cheering him. I always cheer Randy Orton. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Until he skull punts my mother, I will that I will never boo Randy Orton. Yeah. That's the only way, which is sad. All right, so I think it's time now for our good, our bad, and, and brainless. brainless. So, Cousin Jay, what is your good for this week? You know what? I There were a lot of really good things this week. I could have done Stadium Stampede. I could have done, you know, a few of the matches, to be fair, for from Double or Nothing. Jungle Boy winning. Many things like that. I am going specifically to Matt Riddle's reaction when Randy Orton did his ending move to finish the match. When I watch wrestling, I want to be entertained. Mm -hmm. And Matt Riddle, that, 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 that was beautiful. It was pitch perfect. I Loved agree. it. Um, my, my good's not going to be the same as yours, but I, I think yours is a tremendous pick. I like it. It's outside the box, and I love outside the box thinking. Yeah? For me, I went really chalk this week for my good. My good goes to Britt Baker. Yeah. Is there anybody who deserved to win more on last Sunday than Britt Baker at Double or Nothing? Nope. She deserves it. She's been killing it ever since she turned heel. Well, after she developed the heel role a little bit, because it was a the little first clunky month at or first. Two was... It was not very good. But, like, honest to goodness, she absolutely deserved to win that match. I'm happy for her, especially now finding out that she was booked in WWE as poorly as she was. But then again, name somebody who wasn't booked as poorly in WWE. Sheamus. Um, right. But, yeah, okay, I get it. But yes. Like two people. Like maybe three. Triple H. Yeah. No, Triple H. Triple H got buried by the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 12. It was Shawn Michaels' fault. Yeah, well, fair right. enough. But anyway, Britt Baker 100% deserved to win that match. She is the biggest star that AEW has in their women's division, and it was a well-deserved victory for her this past Sunday. All right. So the fact that my good has been there since last Sunday speaks volume of how good that was, considering a lot of stuff was good because I could have went the riddle route. I, I love the fact that the New Day dressed up like Power Rangers on Monday. Uh, Roman Reigns absolutely fucking killing it. McAfee could have gotten my good. No, I went the Britt Baker route. Yeah. So what was your bad for this week? I'm going with the continuation of the Reginald storyline. What? Uh, I'm not entertained by this. It's just, like, terrible. It's just terrible. I don't want to see any more of this. If it ends up leading, I guess, to the breakup of Shayna and Nyla, okay. There's other different ways, better ways they could have done it. Mm -hmm. I don't think you could, like, Reginald is not going to be main eventing WrestleMania, and it's specifically because of this. You took a talent, you know, 30 years ago named Terry Taylor, who was one of the best workers in the ring, and you killed him by turning him into a rooster. 
<laughs> they turned just incredible into a Portuguese man of war. Well, at least his face was covered, so like. Yeah, but still funny though. He was but, a Portuguese man of war. Terry Taylor had to have a red mohawk. Crocodile too. And that was part of his shtick. Come on, Jay. They they turned Conan into Max Fucking Moon. Really? Conan had a cameo on the Stadium Stampede match. Uh, yeah, right. He was the DJ. Anyway. So, Reginald. Oh, oh Reginald. I disagree. I disagree with this storyline. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, my, That's my bad. My bad for this week goes to the botched finish of the first match of the Mysterios versus the Usos for the tag team titles. Because at the end of it, and then I'm not even talking about the fact that the shoulder was was up. I get that. Storyline-wise, it made a lot of sense. Everything leading up to the roll-up package victory for Dominic over the Usos when he was pinning Jay, it just looked really, really bad. Like, I was trying to be the one that was trying to roll up Jay Uso for the roll-up pin. That's how bad it looked. Sad. So, I'm sorry. That that was my... Cause, and that... that I had a lot of options for good. I absolutely 100% had a lot of options for brainless. But that was just bad, and there was nothing that was more bad than that. All right. So, what's your brainless? I'm going with the releases. I know, I know that's chalk for the week. It's the releases, and, and, and it's you've taken some talented people and cut them away. Now, if this is because, all right, we need to, you know, get the accounting to look a little bit better so we can sell the company to somebody. Okay, but, you know, you had people on the roster that were taking up spots and taking up money for a long, long time that you could have let go forever ago and saved that money back then. But instead, now because of, for whatever reason, you Bad kept those right. people around... You now are cutting people who were in the middle of storylines. It's like you were doing vignettes. You spent, you know, the last month getting Alistair Black ready to come back mm -hmm. and be in some sort of role, in some sort of feud on your TV. Now what you've done is you've taken him out. Again, I'm guessing this means Selena Vega is not going to be there anymore like it was rumored that she had re-signed and was on her way back i'd say that that's definitely out of the cards at this point and now my biggest question what what happened to Big E? that was the storyline that they were doing with him i i had picked him as like a dark horse to be one of the next few people to go against roman reigns several months ago he has the size, he has the athletic ability, and he could be great on the microphone and get to see a little bit more of the serious side of Big E. Mm -hmm. Well, now, again, Big E had has just finished his thing with Apollo Crews, and now he has nowhere to go. So WWE has now not only taken talented people off the roster, you have now taken stories away from people that were on your TV show. And how many times do we hear about guys 
wanting to do something and they're like, oh, creative has nothing for you. Creative had something for Big E and now they don't because of, in my view, poor management. I, and honestly, there was a bunch of options I could have done with my, uh, this week and everything. And to be fair, I really wanted Urban Meyer to be my brainless for this week just because the fact is he's going to end up getting my brainless when he finally resigns before the end of his first season with Jacksonville. So I have to end up watching the Kenny Omega fight a blow-up doll match, which I really don't want to. But if you could see clear as day on my thing, what I put for, for my brainless. The releases. And I'm going to just kind of like add on to what you were saying. Like, I get the Lana thing, okay? Her husband's now in AEW. She didn't want to be there. You know, she kind of was floundering around. She ate a lot of fucking tables due to fucking Nia Jax. So I get the fact they that she wanted that storyline. Yeah, and obviously she has asked for her release in the past because they said that multiple people who got released on Wednesday had asked for her for their releases. My guess is is that Lana was one of them that asked for her release. My guess is that they were finally just allowing Aleister Black his release after they brought him back, which is fucking stupid. Um, I'm guessing Murphy probably asked for his too. Braun Strowman's was a little far out of left field. I was I was surprised, but I wasn't stunned with Braun Strowman because I kind of get it. Because like it's like they 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 kind of just ruined him over the last seven eight months anyway. Other especially with that Shane McMahon. Although him and Shane actually had a really good match. I'm going to take that away. Um, Ruby Wright stunned me. Absolutely stunned me. I was not expecting her to lose her job. The fact that she cried, wanted to throw up, had an anxiety attack over her release, and had to, and, and she pulled a brainless one. She ate an entire package of Oreos, which I fucking love that. Um, I really was upset to see her go. Alistair Black even coming out and saying, like, he's like, you know, I could come out here and be bitter and everything. He's like, but if it wasn't for Vince McMahon and WWE over the last five years, none of y'all would have seen me on your TV screens and known who I was. So I am very thankful and grateful for WWE giving me this opportunity. I could be wrong. I think he also met his wife because of WWE. It's it's very possible as well. Um, but the thing was is that it was just poorly timed. You had you, you do all these vignettes with him. You got the Dark Father gimmick that you had coming with him. He comes out in the middle of the Fatal 4-Way Intercontinental title match, which was main eventing SmackDown two weeks ago. And he comes out and he gets involved, costs Big E the match, and, and and then not even two weeks later, you release him? Nicole asked me after that, she's like, has WWE ever done anything that stupid before where they got somebody in the middle of a storyline and then just... She's like, has there ever been a situation where a storyline has started and then just for whatever reason it dissolved? And like four and a half hours later, I actually named off all the things that... All the stupid things WWE has done to that extent. To, to me, I think the worst of the worst... Katie Vick storyline? No, 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 no. That got cut off before it finished. Test never got a match against Triple H. Like, that was one of the biggest storylines of the Attitude Era when... when Triple H married Stephanie McMahon. You would think the man who is supposed to marry her, Test, mm -hmm. would be angry and, and would want revenge and would get a chance at revenge. They never had a match. They just didn't happen. Whether you like Test as a character or not, storyline-wise, that's a match that was that needed to happen. Yep, I agree. And it just didn't. But... I mean, also when Vince McMahon's limousine blew up when he was in it, and then two weeks later he magically appeared. I understand that that's extenuating, extenuating circumstances. circumstances. 
but uh, <laughs> extenuating circumstances with Lacey Evans and Ric Flair too. I, 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 I that was a bad storyline. You know, I'm sorry. I said that that Roman Reigns was going to be the clear cut favorite to win the Wrestler of the Year award. No, it's going to be Lacey Evans' husband. <laughs> but uh, I just, I, I was very, Alistair Black of all of them was the one that upset me the most because I really liked him as a performer. I th- think it was great. And he even said, like, they even had, like, a new entrance song for him that was supposed to, they were supposed to come out with when he first made his his return as an in-ring performer, but we're never going to hear it now. And he said it was his best one yet. Hmm. And I liked his other one. And his other one was badass. I have, I will say this, I have seen a lot of uh, Tommy End will be leading the Dark Order. Honorable mention for Brandless, though, since Timmy is still chiming in. I'm going to go with FM Marks Hall of Famer Tommy Nicholas. Also gets a vote for my Brandless for this week for the fact that he said that Hornswoggle is still alive in the Royal Rumble. But the problem is with that, Jay, is that we don't acknowledge Hornswoggle for his Royal Rumble appearance or anything like that. That's because at the end of the day, hold on, if you like what you've seen, whether you are a first-time watcher or somebody who is a continuous watcher like Timmy, like Mike Rainey, um, even after Mark's Hall of Famer, Tommy, Don't Eat Brown Snow, whoever, you name them. Make sure you like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube at the, the letter T, the letter H, the letter E, letter F, the letter N, M-A-R-K-S, the F and Marks. If you like, follow, and subscribe to us, we will do the same back. It has always been our mantra. And if you don't have an opportunity to watch or listen to the show while we're doing it live, we are now live on Spotify. I the Spotify part. And yes. several other podcast entities. You just look us up at the FN Marks and you will find us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And that way you could listen to us on the road and enjoy the podcast that way. But we're also live on the All Elite Marks page every week. And make sure that you set up the notifications so when we go live, that you will get a thing sent to you saying, hey, we're live. So you could join in with the conversation and we could have fun talking about wrestling and the stupid things that are done and the stupid things that aren't done. And, and watch the brainless one go off the rails faster than a freaking train traveling at 3,000 miles per hour on an icy track. That was very vivid, wasn't it? Yeah. But... Since we were talking about Tommy and we were talking about Hornswoggle, I think this is the perfect segue. For what? For the fact that today, on June 5th of 2021, at an astonishing 2323 days, FM Marks Hall of Fame is still alive in the 2015 Royal Rumble. And not Hornswoggle! Yeah, it doesn't matter how many times he says it, Timmy. Tommy's still wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Yeah! All right, so that does it for episode 224 of the Effin' Marks podcast. I'm Jay. And I am, I was, and I will always be the brainless one. (laughs) Make sure you mark out... With your guac out. See ya, everybody. Have a good week. We'll see y'all later. Yeah! Yeah!